everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. <laughs> Recorded live. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website. I'm your host for tonight, uh, William Hayashi, and I want to welcome you to the May 18th edition, um, you know, it's, uh, of of the show. And it, you know, I'm here in Chicago, and it's supposed to be like spring, getting ready to jump into summer, and uh, it just this is like the cold weather that just won't go away. Um, you know, it's it gets up in the 60s during the day, but at night, you know, it climbs climbs on down into the 40s. And you know, I, I'd like to have I'd like to have summer instead of this long, 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 long fake kind of spring. Anyway, tonight's special guest is Hassan Rashid, and he's a he's the owner of Blackwood Studios, and uh, he's put together something called the Assassination of Truth, and uh, he's also an animator. So he's he's kind of a multiple threat, and I want to welcome you to the show. How you doing, man? Hey, hey, I'm good. How you feeling? Not bad. No, I'm. I did. You know, I don't know because I I didn't do deep analysis. But uh, where are you coming to us from? I'm calling out of Philly, Philly, yeah. old Philly. And how's your weather up there? Is it still cool up there? Yeah, man. Out of all out of, it wasn't real nice, and then all of a sudden it just started getting cool again. I'm like, what the heck is going on with this weather? Yeah, you know, someone did remind me of something. A friend of mine, he said, you know, even though we're having this kind of slow build-up to uh, to summer, one of the things that does happen is we we get the we get that Indian summer that goes well into November. But I mm-hmm. still I still would like to have some nice weather in May. And you know, we we even had snow in April, so that was always worrying because you know we've had some pretty spectacular snows here in Chicago in April. One was like. They called it the big snow in 1967, and right. uh, that was like, I don't know, it seemed like three feet of snow outside my house in, <laughs> you know, on, on, on Easter weekend. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm glad you made it. Uh, glad to have you here. Um, now, are you a native of uh, Philly, or are you a transplant? No, no, I'm native here in Philly. Um, I spent like the last, like, eight or nine years in um, Atlanta. I was living down there for a while, and I had to come back up um medical reasons. Um, and so um, I got all that taken care of, so I'll be headed back down to Atlanta soon. And, and like, is that, is being down there kind of more conducive for you to, like, get your creative work done, or um, what draws oh, yeah. you to Atlanta? Oh, yeah, by far. Um, um, originally, I went down there, um, I was looking for looking for some some work. I was um working with AT and T um uh-huh. for a few years uh-huh. down there. But um and, and, and at the same time I was doing my thing with the movies and whatnot. That's always been my passion. So um I was down there and I ended up uh just working my company and everything until I had to come back up. But um I loved it down there. It's the place to be if you're in any kind of entertainment or 
or music or films or anything. It's definitely the place to be. That's why I named my, my company. is I'm actually called Blackwood, and it's short for Black Hollywood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, it, as in, do you do just animation? Do you do live uh, or, uh, I don't know what you do. Live movies, whatever. Live action um, movie. Um, I yeah, live started action out with, um, as a live action director. Um, I wrote a few scripts. Um, I wrote it wrote on a um a couple movies, and I um I worked on a couple movies, um, independent films and whatnot in and around Philadelphia, and um I wrote my own scripts and everything. I was actually into the uh the live action for a long time. For the first ten years, I did a, a DVD magazine back in the day called Howl of Bath. We had celebrity interviews and music videos and all kind of skits and stuff that we put together in package and we had that distributed nationally for a while. And um and then um had a situation where I sick I I had a um uh, a heart condition, um had a weak heart and I had to get a transplant. Wow. So while I was waiting for that, I was just um I said, you know what, I just can't sit around doing nothing. So I started I picked up the um animation and three D graphics and everything and and I spent my time doing learning that and over the last few years I probably I put in enough time to, to earn a master's degree with this stuff, so all the stuff I've learned, so that's where I'm at. That's excellent, man. Now, now, did you have, like, an affinity for movies when you were younger, or, or was that something that came lately to you? Later? Um, I guess later in life, um, I was always into, like, um, entertainment stuff before. Before I even started doing movies and whatnot, I used to, used to be a little rapper, you know, everybody had their little rap phase. Uh, I did that for a while. I, had, I owned my own studio. Right. Um, I did a little production of, of music and everything. So I kind of ran through the gamut, but nothing really stuck with me. Well, the music thing, I still write, but, um, but I was doing that for, for ages. I was even writing poetry before that. So, um, mm-hmm. But when the movie thing kind of hit me, it really stuck. Um, it's just my passion. It, it, it's, it's the only thing that I think that I would do for free you know, if if I if I had a choice to do anything, you could only do one thing in life. I would choose to make films because that that's where my passion is. So that's what I do. Um, and with this yeah. um, with this animation stuff, I, I I wake up in the morning. I'm on here. I'm on here ten, twelve hours a day. Sometimes my wife, you ask my wife, she swear it was longer, but it's my passion. <laughs> yeah, I, when I was married, uh, I always tell this. It's kind of a joke, but it's also kind of pissed me off. But you know, I, I've been in IT for a long time, you know, since the 70s. And so I'd be, at night, I'd be working on software or whatever, doing something on the computer. And and every now and then she'd say, when are you going to be done playing on the computer? And I'm yeah. thinking, playing, <laughs> you know, playing, playing. You know, this is, you know, this this is, I'm, making, I'm, making, I'm making money doing this. Yeah. And I'm yeah. building the internet. I'm building the internet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, because that's that's why I tell people because I worked in telecom myself for ten, fifteen years. I worked with um AT and T, Verizon, um, sure, Sprint, and everything. I tell people I helped build the internet because I did. I actually was down there putting in the cables and the fiber optics that actually make this internet run. So I mean, I can say that. Well, congratulations to you, man. And you know what? Now that I think about it, I think you're the first uh, heart transplant person I've ever spoken to. You know, really? which, which is kind of intriguing to me, but I mean, I don't want to dwell on it. But I mean, just just basically, how is that for you? I mean, obviously, the cool part is it. You know, someone someone's donation saved your life. You know, which yeah, is yeah. I always that's a that's a big issue. That's a big thing right yeah, there, yeah. just on its own, with a lot of just different moving parts. But I mean, it, you know, for for that for you. That's got to be a pretty cool thing. 
I mean, overall. Yeah, it's, it's, it's God's plan, man. I mean, it, it was rough. Um, I had to go through a lot. Uh, I actually spent my first three years when I found out I was sick. Um, we were in Atlanta, and I was trying to, like, desperately to get on a heart transplant lesson. And for some reason or other, they, they just kept refusing me or whatever. I couldn't get on the list. At first, they said I was – they were just making me go jump off through these hoops. They said I had to lose weight, and then they said I had to – um, I wasn't stable enough because I was in and out of the hospital, and then they were saying I had to. I'm like, I'm in the hospital because I'm sick. I got a weak heart. So then they said right. you got to do a fundraiser. Fundraiser. I'm like, I got to pay to to get a transplant. So I said, okay, whatever. So me and my wife. That's when I wrote the book, Assassination of Truth, and um, and um, I sold that. And we we raised some money for that, and um, and and we came up with the twenty five hundred dollars. And it was like, oh well. Um, we apologize. Um, at that point, you were in the hospital, and we told you, you inpatient is only twenty five hundred. But if you're an outpatient, so it's five thousand. So you know, I'm like, you know what? Forget this. I'm going back home. Oh, I'm, man. I'm going back to Philly. And I came home, and um, I was on the transplant list within within six months. I was on the transplant list of uh, six months of coming back to Philly, and then like a year later, within a year, I was I had my heart, and and that was um, I got transplanted in November. And uh-huh. I'm recovering fine, and I'm doing good now. I mean, it's been a long road, but I'm, I'm on the other side of it now. I can tell my story. Oh, yeah, That's but, funny. I mean, to do, bait, to do bait and switch on a man who needs a heart transplant, that's just that's, – that's ridiculous, man. Yeah, that man, is tell just me about ridiculous it. that you had to go through that, you know? Um, yeah, tell me well, about since it. you brought it up. Yeah, and, and well, anyway, I'm, hey, dude, I'm glad you're here, and I know you are. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So okay. So uh, well, I'm 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 happy to finally have met somebody like that. And and like I said, I'm sure there's like a myriad of issues around it. And and we could probably spend you know four hours talking about that. But let's talk about your creativity. You talked about doing the book. You know, the assassination of truth, which is yeah. is one of the you know that that's the thing that that Jarvis sent to me and everything. Um, give me a little rundown on. Uh, on what the core story was and, and what pushed you into actually doing it. Okay, so um, the assassination of truth. Okay. It's about a, a young guy named Truth. Um, he's a little a rapper coming up, local rapper. And um, things happen in his life where he goes from becoming um, a local rapper, he gets kind of successful, um, gets a contract and everything, and he goes to being, to grow into becoming one of the um, most powerful black leaders in America, like a kind of like a Barack Obama, Malcolm X kind of mixed kind of guy. And, um, and then he gets assassinated. So as, as all right. of our prominent black leaders do, but, um, it, it's, it's the, the journey that he takes. That's the fascinating, um, thing about the book. I kind of, when I came up with the idea, I was thinking, wow, um, Tupac and Biggie are going, what if, um, they would have survived to, to live out their fullest potential? Where would they be, um, 20 years today? And, you know, and what would they be doing? And I kind of came up with the character, you know, and I, and I kind of intertwined like, like the beef, the East West, West coast beef and all kind of stuff that the, the rappers go through. And with the, um, just him coming of age, um, him going to prison and becoming more enlightened and all that stuff. So I, I put a lot of things in there, um, to, 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 to illustrate some of the things that, that, that goes on to can change a person's mind and how he thinks from when he's young, so when it becomes a um, more more mature adult, so it, it, it's really good. Plus, plus it's got some um, some good music too. I wrote a, a whole album to go with it. So, oh, that's great. So, if, I yeah. mean, basically, I guess if you're going to classify it, it's kind of like a coming of age story, where not necessarily of of 
you know, years aged, but but kind of a, a maturation to a new place where they're where they're thinking from and acting from and what what their motivations are, right? Yeah, definitely. And and it happens over a number of years because actually the book covers like like twenty, thirty years of his life. So um so the movie is kind of the book is kind of deep and it, it spans a long period of time. So the movie is like a three part series, you know, and I'm working on part one right now. Okay, and and so, um, it about how long did it take you to write the book? And I'm, I am curious, how many words is it about? Um, it's about two something. It's not. It's not a little deep. It's about two hundred pages. So, okay. All right. That's a good size. Good. Yeah. 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 Nice uh-huh. little, nice little, nice little um, paperback. And um, it took me about, off and on, I guess, about a year to write it, because I kind of was, was taking breaks from it and, and learning the animation stuff. I, I didn't really know I wanted to do a book until I got into the, right. the animation stuff. And I was like, you know uh-huh. what? And I was thinking to myself, I need a story. You know, I just can't put together like little clips and every, every like everybody do. They do little, little dance clips and whatever. But I'm a filmmaker. I'm like, man, I need to, I need to actually sit down and write a script. So the script turned sure. into an actual book, and um, and once the book was done, I said, you know, now this is something that I can turn into a movie. Well, actually, I started to do the um, the audio version first, the um, um, the audible version where you can listen to the book because um, sure. You know, by me being sick, I didn't, I that I did a lot of listening to to like books and whatnot while I was sick, and I was like, you know what, I can do this on my own. I can do this with my book. So I started recording that, and um, I said, this is a lot of work. I might as well do the movie, so I started doing the movie. So all the time where you're laying there and they're messing with you, talking about, well, it'll be 2500 now, it'll be 5000 now, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, you're busy becoming a transmedia artist. Yeah, yeah. I took that time, and like I said, I, I could be a master. I could have a master's in all this with all the time I've spent learning and the classes I've taken, online classes, and just – and just immersing myself into this, into multimedia because it's, it's a lot of stuff. Um, I've already had a background with like audio and, and engineering and stuff like that, so I had to put that to use. And then I had to learn from scratch, like three D modeling and three um, D animation, all that stuff. I had to, you know, I spent my time. I had a lot of downtime. Trust me, I had a lot of free time. So well, I mean, it, but the thing is, as much downtime as you had, and as necessary as it was, you didn't waste it. Oh, you know, there's no, a lot no, of people no. sit around feeling sorry for themselves and stuff like that, yeah. and and, and yeah. you're just plowing straight ahead to get your stuff done. Oh, trust me, it was it was rough because I went through my periods of little depression and when I went first coming because I've I've never heard of actual somebody needing a heart transplant. I never knew anybody that had to go through that, you know. And and it's like why me? You go through that stage, it's like why me? But then you realize that God doesn't give you anything that you can't handle. So, and I'd rather it, it, it could happen to me than somebody that couldn't handle it. So. And plus, I had a, a supportive wife and um and a good family around, so they really helped me out. Um, yeah, it was God's plan. Without her in my life, I wouldn't be here today. So I just want to thanks out to her. I know she's listening somewhere. Excellent, excellent. And and so growing up in Philly, what kind of what kind of upbringing did you have? Was it kind of fair? What you would consider fairly normal? Um, you know, did you have like weird trials and tribulations growing up? Like I I had a pretty normal middle class upbringing. You know, right, right. And and so I don't I don't I can't look back and go, oh, I was born uh, a poor Japanese Negro in the ghetto and had to you know, <laughs> <laughs> so I I can't I can't tell that lie you know 
right, but, right. but I, I'm always curious because, you know, sometimes the, you know, how you grow up also kind of drives you toward the opportunities to do, like, Definitely. the great things that you're doing. You know, Definitely. stuff that you're doing. Definitely. Okay, yeah, a lot of people, of contemporaries of ours, yeah, they got into rap because they because they couldn't dunk or, you know, and right, I, right. I'm just saying that cynically, but you know what I'm saying? And, yeah, yeah, and yet, you know, you're, you're doing the whole nine yards. You're, you are really, you know, you're talking about 3D animation. You're talking about doing a, a full feature movie. You're talking about doing your own audio books. That's a lot of pretty cool tech for you to yeah. immerse in your artistic endeavor. Um, yeah, have, yeah, have you yeah. always been kind of, have you always been kind of nerdy, even when you were growing up, in terms of tech? Oh, always, always. I, I was a tech dude. I was the the, the real techie dude, even though we were poor growing up. I, I had one of those um, growing up in the ghetto kind of stories. You know, that was me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the one that they got picked on and whatever, and going to school with holes in my sneakers and stuff like that. You know, but I mean, it, it helped me become stronger and thick skin, definitely. Um, as an artist, because you get you get people who just you don't like your stuff, <laughs> you know. But you, as an artist, you gotta be confident in yourself to know that you're doing this. This is what you feel. This is coming out of you, and not everybody's gonna like it. So you just have to do you as an artist, and and you and you learn that. I mean, you learn that going growing up, um, having a kind of hard life, because I can see where some people where where they where they're given everything and everything is um perfect in their life. And as soon as somebody challenges them or it gives them a hard way to go. They don't know how to handle it. They they, they can't handle it. They fall apart. But um, the best that was kind of my upbringing, and and I was always into the, the tech stuff. I was always into um, telling stories and, and 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 computers. I was into computers way before any of my um, classmates were, because I had a, a summer job where you went in and they actually taught us um, coding, um, basic coding back in the day, and um, that was my oh, summer cool. job. I was going. Yeah, we go in. We learn, we learn um, computers um, back when BASIC was the um, was the language everybody used, and we started to learn that. Of course, we had a, other like classes and whatnot. It was like a summer school, but you got paid for it. But um, that put me ahead right. of a lot of my um, classmates. So um, I started out early there, and um, that that's where I really got the bug for for technology and everything. And ever since then, I was I was on the cutting edge of everything um, that I could think of. I'm always introducing my people to even back when um, stuff like MySpace and stuff came out. I was on it way before a lot of my friends were and anybody else caught on to it and, and Facebook and all that stuff. So I was the one who usually introduced it to people. So, um, so I, I that's like kind of cool. You had, you had an affinity for tech and you were an early adopter and stuff. So, I mean, it sounds like you slid right into it. Yeah, definitely. With no, like, no, with no trouble at all, you know? No, nah, definitely no no trouble with me as far as the tech goes. I'm 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 into it 100 percent now. I'm I'm teaching. I'm even I'm even teaching some of um, the younger cousins and stuff like that. Some of the stuff so you know so that they can one day come and join me and some of the stuff. I don't have to do all the heavy lifting myself. Man, that's great. Not only are you driven for yourself, but to to do like that mentoring. A lot of people don't look back right away, you know, because it it is tough trying to learn all the things that you're trying to learn. Mm-hmm. But but like like you said, spreading the wealth actually lightens your load. Yeah, definitely. You you gotta you gotta think forward. I'm always the type to think ahead, so that um so that um the current present is always taken care of. If you think ahead ten steps, then when you get there, you're already good. So yeah. Now, when you were growing up, what kinds of influences did you have, like in terms of TV or comics or stuff like that? Because you know it's always interesting to see. 
you know, how how your your input got turned outward to your art, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, well, I was a big fan of comics. I had a really big comic book collection. Um, I would say my little um, snow shoveling money or, or, or raking money or whatever. I did a little odd jobs, bagging up groceries or whatever. We run out and buy comics and stuff like that. And um, yeah. I love comics. And I think that's where I got my um, kind of cinematic eye from is comics because I, I would pay attention to, like, how they frame the, the um, actual characters and, and how they frame the story and, and each panel, um, how they where they position the camera and 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 how they how they um how they um, frame the and move the camera and stuff like that. Well, they're not really movement, but you, you get what I mean as far as comic books. How they make it seem like the camera oh, change, moving, changing perspectives and 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 yeah. point of view and stuff like that. Yeah, and and yeah. basically, if people look at it objectively, comics are kind of like storyboards for movies. You know, you Definitely. could you could easily translate comics into into animation into video because yep. you've got the heavy lifting has been done. You know, yep. what do you want to frame? What do you want to look at? What do you want to concentrate on and things like that? Yep. And then what about what about the storytelling aspect? Did you pick that up from comics as well? Um, the storytelling kind of came later when I when I started reading actual books and novels. Um, I went through a phase in my life when when I was just like reading voracious that was like every book I could find, all kind of um, um, bi- autobiographies and stuff like that, like Bill Gates and Michael Jordan. Um, who else did I read? Um, um, even like the like like um, presidents like Bill Clinton. Back in the day, I, I, w- I would read all of those. And then I would get into my science fiction. That's where I first, my first book I've ever read cover to cover, real novel, was um, Raise the Titanic. And um, uh-huh. I read that. And then I, I kind of fell in love with sci-fi, and I started reading Asimov and um, and a lot of different, a lot of different other uh, science five science fiction writers. And um, and I just fell in love with, it. and that's where I got my um, my um, my my love for telling stories. And then later on in life, when I when I got sick and I started read, starting to listen to the audio books, that like really brought it out to me because it's like I can really see as I'm listening to these movies, I close my eyes and I can actually see these movies playing inside my head. And, and yeah. I really got that. Really took it to the next level. Man, so I mean, you're. you're I was kind of like the same way. My dad was a sci-fi nut, so he had he had science fiction from like the classic, the age of science fiction. You know, the 1930s, right, right, 40s, right. 50s, 60s, and and so yeah, I started with a lot of the classic guys, um, and mostly because that was who was getting published. I mean, it was tougher yeah. getting published back then. And, you know, obviously, yeah, the, the bar is a lot lower today to publish because it's it's so hard getting, I think that the, the universal challenge that I always talk about is getting your work raised above, uh, above the background noise of everything that's out there, which is always tough. Yeah, that's the hard part. Nowadays, you can you can write a book, there's a million, million, um, million different um, authors and stuff out there, but the hard part is trying to stand out. Yeah. Yeah, and and so what? What? I mean, it sounds like you had kind of a, almost like a, a classic sci-fi nerdy kind of upbringing. What what was it that pushed you into? Was it was it the the visualization of audiobooks that that brought, you know, the that the, the kind of the movie aspect, the the animated aspect, the moving picture aspect of of the whole art that brought it forward for you? Um, kind of. Um, like I said, I was always into like the filmmaking. I started doing filmmaking. Um, 
um, earlier before I started getting into animation and whatnot, when I first moved down to Atlanta, that's when I first started doing my um, animation, I mean, my um, film writing and stuff, and I had okay. started producing a film. Um, and so um, I was always on the road to actually making a movie. That was that was, that was in my heart. I just wanted to make a movie. And um, I had all the equipment, the cameras, the lighting, the sound, and everything. And um, we started making a movie. And um, it was in the middle of that process when I found out that I that I gotten sick. You know, my heart was, wasn't doing too good. And things I used to sure. usually do, you know, like just carrying groceries in and out from the house, from the car to the house. I was having problems with it going up and down steps. So let me go to the doctor. So I went to the doctor, um, and then they told me I had a um, – um, general heart failure, so I had a heart, a weak heart, and um, and I kind of was taking it easy, but I was still living my life. And then one day at work, I just passed out, and, and that was it. Yeah. That was when I started me on a journey. They said I needed to get transplanted. That started being a whole transplant journey. But um, but yeah, I was I was doing the um, the film thing, and and that was with my love. And then when I got sick, I couldn't actually do the filming and running around and and setting up cameras and directing. So I had to take it easy, but I could sit down on my computer. And that's when I learned um, animation, um, 3D animation, and that's why I found um, iClone. And that was iClone, I think, four or five. And um, uh-huh. I just fell in love with it. And um, I'm like, man, I don't need to leave out my front door. I can build my whole world here inside of iClone and set up my cameras and lights and, and, and you know, type in my dialogue or whatever, record my dialogue and whatever. I can could, I could do a movie right here on my desktop. And, um, and that's go to where, town, yeah. That's where, that's where I've been ever since. That's very cool. So you mentioned, you know, going through and and putting together the uh, the movie version of the assassination of truth. How far mm-hmm. along are you in that process? Um, I'm just about a little over, I guess, seventy five percent, maybe. Um, I'm planning to be done August or September. Um, maybe may have a little delay because I'm moving. I'm actually moving back to Atlanta um, in July. Right. So that may delay me a little bit as I get set up and everything and when I move back to Atlanta. But it'll be sometime this summer, um, early fall. Wow. And and then, like, are you talking about an early fall release date for, for this yeah. this project? Yeah, definitely. Wow. Definitely. You, definitely. you definitely have to post up when everything is done here so that we can support you. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yeah. I plan to. Yeah, like I said, I'm. I plan on. I'm working with um a couple people just to do like promotion and marketing because that's another whole discipline that you you got to really jump in and you gotta you gotta spend just as much time there as you do with learning how to animate and, and 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 doing visual production and stuff like that. So I plan to work with other people because that's another discipline and I just don't think I can start from zero on that again. So yeah, no. And this is a feature length project, right? Yeah, it's about an hour and a half. Nice. Very nice. That's pretty cool. Um, and, and then, you know, are you thinking about this as a one-off, or do you think it might be a series? How are you looking at your creative universe? Um, like I said, The Assassination of Truth is going to be a three-part series. This first part is, early, is the early beginnings when he, he's, he's like a young rapper and, and um, in his beginnings and, and, and how everything starts and his journey to becoming um, the man he um, eventually becomes, but um, this is this is early early years. So, um, yeah, it'll be a three part series. And and what I plan to do is I plan to set up like Blackwood Studios as like a a, a film company. I want to put out two or three movies a year. And um, mm-hmm. my ultimate goal, you know, and just and just keep going from there because I think that I want to kind of make it to where it's like Japanese anime. It's real. It has its own like 
genre basically over there. Over here, it's kind of like a a forgotten stepchild, you know. Um, yeah. So maybe maybe be jump in and and get it get it a little more pop and get it give it a little urban more urban feel. Um, incorporate some um, hip hop and R and B into it and, and see if we can make a um, Americanized kind of anime as opposed to Japanese style. Uh huh. And with with all of the with the uh, with the number of projects that you plan on doing, are these going to all be homegrown projects, things that you put together, or are you also going to start branching out and and working with other people? Oh, um, I'll definitely be working with other people, but I'll definitely be um I'm still writing and and still working on them. But I'm going to be working with other people if they bring a good script to me or a good idea or a good concept. We'll sit down and we'll partner with them and you know, we'll put together. Um, a good project. You know, I'm just looking at a good content. To me, content is king. If you got a good story, um, and you can put it together reasonably well. Um, that that's that's the core. You you can go from there. You know, but you got to yeah. have a, a good story. And um, even if it has to be redone, <laughs> you got to reboot. Marvel does it all the time. They reboot their their series, so you can reboot it later. But you just got to get it done, and and, and you got to start small with a good story. So that's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, oh, man, I had a great question, and, of course, it just left because, you know, I'm old. Uh, <laughs> um, one, of, one of the things that, that's kind of cool is, you know, just thinking about the fact that, you know, here you have kind of a, a, a pretty conventional creative, um, I don't want to say upbringing, but creative path. You know, you, you discover science fiction, you like it. It's, it, it sparks your imagination, and it sparks your imagination enough for you to create your own stuff, which is very, very cool. Um, you know, can, can you tell us a little bit about some of the stories that you ran into as you were coming up that, that really stuck with you that, that you would consider fairly significant in terms of, 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 of pushing you into the science fiction genre? You mentioned Asimov. I mean, obviously, everybody... everybody you know, who, who reads classic science fiction, reads stuff that he did, you know. And I think he was brilliant the way that he took his Foundation series and then took his Robot series and then bent them together at the very end. You know what I mean? Join them up. Right. What What other kinds of, what what other authors did you read that, that you would consider um, influences in you you really settling into the science fiction genre? Um, of course, um, um, Asimov, there's one story that I can remember, like, really influencing my, my thinking as far as really captivating and, and bringing me into um, wanting to read more and more um, sci-fi. It's from the book of his um, uh, short stories, and one of the stories is called A Road Not Taken. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but it's about um, the aliens that come to come to Earth, and instead of them, it's like they were similar to humans, but kind of different. And then in, in, in their evolution, early in their evolution, they discovered um, a way to, to, to travel space or, or, or whatever it was, a, a time travel space or, or something like that. It, it was something simple that man could have discovered anywhere along his development, but they didn't, what we didn't. So we end up being more like militaristic and, and fighting each other as far as countries, fighting each other and going to war and because we discovered, say, gunpowder instead of discovering this, this traveling this this technology sure. that we could use to travel um, light years in, a, in an instant. So so their civilization developed along that path, and and they were like a peaceful civilization, and their and their whole goal was just to travel and, and to see different universes and stuff like that. So that's their path, and while we chose the path of 
destruction, you know, with um with being um discovering um atomic bombs and missiles and stuff like that and we discovered all of that. But they came they, they came to Earth um thinking that we were similar to them and, 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 and we would be um good universal neighbors. But um they come to find out quickly that humans aren't friendly. <laughs> they they're scared of what yeah. they don't understand. Oh, yeah. So they, they, they end up they end up taking their technology and pretty easily they don't have the advanced weaponry that we have. So now we have their their space traveling technology and these weapons and, and, and we're just let loose on the cosmos. So that kinda <laughs> that kinda like took me like, Wow, you know? Yeah. And, um, that that yeah. kinda got me and drew me drew me in. And after that it was a wrap. <laughs> Anything I could find from um whew, uh that's that, seriously, I mean when you think about that, that's that's what what I would consider a big story. You know, because yeah. it's yeah. It, it, it it's huge, you know, and and then yet, you know, your first project you settle on uh, uh settling on a character and the evolution right. of that character and what goes on around him. Um and I'm I'm wondering what other kinds of stories do you have lurking around inside of you and do you think that you you know, you're eventually going to run into or put together, you know, something of, of a more epic nature? Are you going to be more encompassing in the culture and the creative universe you do? Uh, the, the only reason why I'm asking is because I'm curious, because I, I wrote I wrote something that was bigger than me. You know, rather than mm-hmm. concentrating on one person, I wanted to concentrate on on something bigger. And, and mine was mm-hmm. also a protest vote, because uh, a protest uh, uh, project, because I was tired you know, yeah, you hear the jokes. Uh, the only blacks on uh, Star Trek besides Uhura were red-suited guys, red-shirt guys who died in yeah. the first six minutes. And, yeah. and you know, Richard Richard Pryor on his album talking about, you know, I'm watching, he's looking at all these movies from the future, and obviously they don't plan for black folks to be around, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, and, and the other thing is I, I got tired of reading about and and seeing black culture portrayed by whites where, you know, you have your Oprah's, you have your Michael Jordan's, then you have your rappers, then you have, you know, other musicians, then you have other athletes, and then, and then you have, and the rest are thugs. You know what I'm saying? You know, that's how, you know, and, and what is so cool about what's been going on in the last month where we're seeing all of these black folks getting the police called on them for living while Mm -hmm. black. Breathing, yep. breathing while black, shopping while black, leaving uh, Airbnb while black, and and right. and everything, you know. Oh, looking over his own real estate while black, you know. Yeah. Now, the cool part about that is now white folks, if they're paying attention, and a lot of them don't, you know. We know at least a third of the white folks in this country don't pay attention to Jack, but now well, you know they're, they're starting to see, huh? what what the Trump says. Yeah, but but now we're we're starting to see that that cult, you know the the way the way we are treated in this culture is a lot different than what whites pretend or 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 you know willfully neglectfully believe you know so right, it's right. kind of cool and then and then you look at all of this reboot crap restarting this rebooting uh what. <laughs> Uh, Lethal Weapon and, you know, all of these TV shows that are from crap from the 70s and the 80s because the big studios don't have any imagination. 
And yeah. anything that comes out with the least bit of imagination, you know, it, you can't you can't diminish in any way, shape, or form the impact that Black Panther obviously had on world culture. Otherwise, yeah. it wouldn't have made so damn much money. You know, you can't you can't diminish how interesting our characters are 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 written by all of the new black themed shows that are coming out of non standard or non studio kind of um um uh, distributors. You know, Netflix is is bringing out you know, you look at Luke Cage, I always bring this up and how, how Luke right. Cage broke broke Netflix for three days. You know, and wow. that's not just black folks downloading that. You know, that's everybody yeah. worldwide wanted to see what that was. Yeah. So now we're seeing a whole different a whole different perspective because black culture Black creativity and and uh, black vehicles are interesting. They're interesting to the mainstream. You know, people are yeah. spending money on them, and yeah. and so so you know that always gives me hope that somehow there's there's a leveling of the culture, and maybe people are going to be seeing African Americans in a, in a whole different light. Although the B side of that, the the back side of that is these 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 parasitic money people are just glomming on to black stuff, you know, so that they can make money. Like what they did with the music industry. Okay? Yeah. You know, we, we started to do our own our own music production companies and what happens? Well, you know, somehow they they, they you know the they West Coast bought up, are, they end up by the Interscope and, and everything. They end they get bought up by Interscope and all of them and they become part of the big media Circus anyway, so absolutely, absolutely. So it's kind of cool where where we come to somebody like you, and and and, and you, you know here you are, and, and please don't take anything I say as bad because it's not. Right. You know, nerdy little nerdy little guy from Philadelphia, and you decide to put together your own studio. You become your own transmedia company with your own content. That's that. I mean, dude, that is that is so cool. Yeah, and like I said, necessity is the mother of invention. Um, I, I mean, I did all this stuff because I had to. I, I couldn't afford to, 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 to pay producers to produce, produce some of my music. I had to do it myself. I couldn't pay writers yeah, to, but, to write these yeah. songs. I had to do it myself. Yeah, but that's down the line. That's down the line. The fact of the matter is not only were you interested, but you did it, okay? And yeah, yeah, of course, necessity is the mother of invention. Of course, if you're going to go and like like me, if I wanted to do uh, even if I wanted to do a commercial about my book series, you know, I would have to download some software. I would have to learn how to do you know graphics primitives. I'd have to learn how to draw a hand that had yeah. more than three fingers on it, you know, because I can only draw Mickey Mouse hands because I can't draw where she, where, uh, at all. So, <laughs> so in the club. Oh man! So you know there, you, it, it's always good. And and here's the here's the suck ass part of it. And I and I mean it when I say that, is that because we don't get generally we don't get the same kind of opportunities in American culture that maybe whites do, or or at least money people do. You know right. that necessity being the mother of invention thing is is more often standard than not. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, Definitely. so it, it's it's good. It's really good to watch how 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 people like you, and I say that in, in in nothing but the positive way, really sit down and say, "Screw this! I'm doing it myself." Yeah, yeah. 
And like I said, um, I, I was never the type to to depend on wait around and depend on somebody else to open doors for me. Um, I, I was never like that. I, w- I would think, um, I was thinking um when earlier in my career when I was coming out of high school, um, I, I was going to go to college. Um, my mom was working. And I had a chance to go to Temple University for free. Um, right. I, I got distracted. I went into the military, and and, and that's my life. But uh, but I was I was thinking everybody would go to college. Now, I wonder why they would come out and spend all this time in college and all this money and, and then go big for jobs when they when they learn these skills in college or they should have learned these skills in college where they can come out and they start their own, you know, they can start their own business and, and, and not yeah, have to go what? big for a job for somebody, from yeah, somebody you, else. There, there's a certain amount of, I mean, there's there's a certain amount of comfort if you do work for somebody else, you know, because, because you know, you, basically if you do your job, you do it well, and things are pretty good in your work, you know, circumstance, you know, you're going to get paid regularly and things like that. You know, I've interviewed a lot of people who who were artists, okay, a lot right. of black artists, and they wanted to draw, and they did comic books and did that, and a lot of them had parents who said, okay, we support what you're doing, but please have some skills as a fallback plan, you know, because they love them. They don't want to see anybody fail, but then you don't want to see anybody starve, too. So, you know, they're... There, there's that double-edged sword where you, where I'm, I'm watching, I'm talking to people and interviewing people who did have support for their artistic, artistic endeavors, but then there was always that native caution because you just never know if things are going to turn out well or not. You know what I'm saying? So, well, right, right. I understand. I, like, I can understand. Um, in your early um, early years, you're coming out of college, you, you definitely need to, to get an income and you need to go out there. You might have to put some time in the working world. But along the way, I think people should still have the eye on that, unless they're into something where they, they, they're lucky enough to get into something in their field that they really love and they don't look at it as work, because eventually a job is going to just turn out to be work for you. You're going to go there just to make money so you can pay your bills and you're going to get caught in that rat race. Um, but unless you're unless you're into something that you really love that you love doing, like if I would have came out of college and I would have jumped into a, a major studio, and I would love it. My life would have been set. I wouldn't wouldn't have thought about going anywhere. Probably wouldn't thought about doing my own thing because I would be I would be just love where I was at. But if you're if you're a filmmaker and you're stuck selling cars, um, I mean that kind of thing wears on you. Go, oh, man, I gotta go to work today. I gotta do this and that and that. I gotta deal with <laughs> yeah. the paperwork. Yeah. You know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. That kind of wears on you. So I, I, I think that people in that situation should always have their eye on doing their own thing and doing what they love. That's what I tell my daughter. Um, choose something to do in your life that, that, that you really love as, as a profession, um, and you'll never work a day in your life. Um, I heard that from somebody was a popular saying. But, um, yeah, I tell her that all the time because it's, it's true. Because with me doing this animation and stuff, I can imagine if I was getting paid for it, I would be in heaven. And, and that's right. where I start oh, sure. every day to where I can be to a point where I can do this and it'll support me. And it will never feel like work again, because um, that is the worst feeling having to get up and go to work um, for somebody and and them not respecting your, your true talents and what you have to say. No matter how far you rise up in that in that organization, it's not your true passion. It's not your true love, and they're always going to look at it like it's work. Um, I got to go to work today. And that kind of thing. I just man, it wasn't the wrong way, and and I, and, and I got the opportunity, even though I, I was sick. I had to get sick to do it, but. Um, I got the opportunity to actually immerse myself in everything that I love to do, and um, and and, and, it, and I'm just caught with a bug. I, I'll, if I have to go back to work for somebody, I think I'll cry. <laughs> you know, that's how hard it is. For me. But, yeah. Um, 
it's it's really that hard. I'm so far separated from that now, and I kind of make um a little little money on the side, just doing like little projects with people, little animations and and stuff like that. And it, it's not to where I can really support myself, but I think with the release of the movie and um and then me building and growing as a, as a company, I think that um that's that's my future. That's what I'm working toward every single day. Yeah, and 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 always facing forward. You know, yeah, you yeah. can look back to see where you were, but you don't you don't you don't play back. You know, you never yeah. you, you try not to step back. You know, yeah. um, I would be I would be the happiest guy in the world, and I I think maybe I'm on the cusp, but I'd be the happiest guy in the world if I could just make a living off of my writing, and I'm not quite there yet, but. Uh, I, I, I'll admit this. I am sick and tired of deporting people's laptops so that they, they could turn them back into corporate. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I didn't look at those Russian brides. That was my son using my laptop. You know that sort of thing. And, and so, you know, and, and you know, okay. But obviously, you know, I can't talk bad about porn because porn really right. drove the internet. In 1991, the increase in people getting on the Internet and, and all this money going into the Internet was driven by the availability of adult yep. content. And it was the yep. same growth curve as yep. VCRs in 1976 when people figured out yep. they could have their own porno movies at home. Yep. Yep. So, yep. You, you know, it, and, it, and it pushed sex, the whole, it pushed the whole does, movie oh. network, the whole movie movie. Yeah. Without, without yeah. Porn, yeah. It would have been, it wouldn't have oh. grown that fast. I'll give you guys a little bit of inside baseball. You know why VHS came out over beta? Why is that? Do you, do you know the story? Because I, I, know that, JD, I know that beta was a, beta was supposed to be a superior format, and I was wondering myself. It, it was it was so much superior, and and the price oh, okay. of the beta the beta VCRs was coming down. They were pretty expensive. Yeah, yeah. I, I, what I, happened I remember, was I remember. I remember now. Go ahead. Yeah, but JBC. Which which had the uh, VHS format, they went to the West Coast porn mm-hmm. producers, yep. and they sold them blank tape cheap. Yep, and there we and go. That, and that that's what whole killed whole beta. Thing. That's what killed beta. So, yep. you know, you know, I, I and I and I understand that I don't I don't do I don't kick about uh, you know porn on the internet or what people do. You know, do what you want to do. Don't do it. Don't do it on your job. Because of course that's dangerous. Nobody wants to see that. I mean, I personally, I don't really understand it myself. Because you know, when I'm hungry, I don't, I don't log on and watch people eat. But that's just me. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. So, so, um, but but anyway, I mean, the cool thing is, is you know, there, even if let's say you did get into adult content, you decided to do, you know, because look at how much porn anime there is out there. I mean that is so yeah. I, I, I just kind of got I kind of just stumbled over that lately, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> and I didn't I didn't realize it was that much kind of that kind of stuff out there, animated porn. And I was like, this is really somebody's really making some money off of this because it's it's a lot of it out there. Well, they also they also have a different attitude about sex than we do as well. I mean, you could be on the train in Japan, and there'll be women reading, um, you know, porn comics like on the train. Wow. You know, and not hiding it and stuff like that. It's it's just a whole different attitude in in terms of yeah. the entertainment. But but you know, all that aside, I mean, when you when you look at the growth of technology, you think about how lucky you are to have come up right now. I mean, mm. look at all the stuff you can do. You yeah, can you know, like if, if you and I want to work together, 
we never have to meet, and yet we can yep. still put together a great partnership because we can do yep. everything electronically. You know, yep. and, and so the tools are just unbelievable. And, and, and I, I can see how you, growing up, you know, kind of a nerdy little guy like me, you would be excited about the technological prospects that we have available. I mean, oh, it, it's I'm so, unbelievable. I'm so excited about it. it. I wake up every day, and, and I'm excited to get to work. It's like uh, my wife tells me, she's like, you're going to turn into a computer. You're going to just merge into the computer. You're going to be a board. I'm like, this is, this is what I love to do. I'm lucky enough to find something that I love to do. You know, I'm like, you should yeah. really have a hobby. Um, that's something that you love to do. I mean, with this, it's something that will last way after I'm gone. Like right now, I have a grandfather that, that passed when I was younger, and I wish I could pull out a book that he wrote or a movie that he did or something, you know, that, that, right. that I could connect sure. with him even after, long after he's gone. Um, you, you know, I, that's something that my ch- children never have to do because they'll have hundreds of audio files of songs that I've did and movies that I've produced and books that I've wrote and written. They'll, they'll always have a connection to me, and anybody can reach back and, and, and feel like they, they know me. So that's, that's kind of what I, what I kind of want to leave behind. Yeah, and it, and it's cool that you can not only, I mean, even if you, God forbid, okay, let's say you, you disappeared off the earth today, you've already left a legacy, yeah. you know, that, that someone could look at back and say, man, look, look, what, look what Hassan did, you know, yeah. uh, here's an example of his creativity. And, and to just keep on going, I mean, that's the other cool thing, too, you know, with all the trials and tribulations you went through, dude, you're still here. And you're still going to yeah. be turning out stuff. And you're actually, it sounds to me like you are, you've got a better head of steam now than you had before. And, yeah. and yeah, would, you, would you admit, or do you, and I'm not trying to put your feet to the fire, but do you think that because of what you went through, all of the trials that you went through, that that really kicked you into high gear to make you want to produce more? Um, you know, you know how they say that adversity comes strength? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of think that when I was in the midst of going through it, I wasn't doing too well as far as health, and I kind of was scared. You know, that, that that's a really scary situation when you when you're looking death face to face in the eye. And any day, I could have I could have gone at any day because I had machines that I actually had to carry around and were keeping me alive and and things like uh-huh. that. So any day I, I could have expired, and that was a really scary feeling. And um and every day I kind of pushed myself to, to to get the stuff done and, and to learn more and, and and to immerse myself into it. Um, but I, but I kind of really couldn't do it because I didn't really have the energy. You know, I was taking baby steps. Now I'm taking leaps and bounds now that I got my energy back and I got my strength back and I can really dig into this stuff. Um, and, and it's really been, it's really been accelerated since I've, since I've got my, um, my surgery, but, um, yeah, it, it was, it was hard. It was rough back then, but you have, you had the fear of death, um, knocking at your door. So that's what kind of motivated me then. But now it's like, I don't, I don't have that fear anymore, so, and I got my strength back, so I'm going. It's, it's, it's on now. Yeah, it's time to kick it into high gear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's, uh, all right, we know that you've got the, <coughs> excuse me, I'm, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, we know you've got kind of like the trilogy that's, mm-hmm. that's been born of the assassination of truth. Um, mm-hmm. do, you, do, you, do you have a lot of other stuff kind of in the hopper that you're already thinking about doing? Uh, you know, yeah. do, you have, do you have a body of work? Do you have kind of like a creative arc that you're already yeah. following? Well, well yeah, I've, I've got the scripts that I first started um, when I was, when I was um, doing live feature films. I, I, 
kind of in the middle of do I want to do those live or do I want to do I want to go ahead and continue with the animation because I think eventually if you this this eventually this uh, technology will evolve to the point where you'll be able to, to do this and you won't be able to tell that these characters aren't human. Already we're on the cutting edge of that where some characters you really can't tell, you know, but they're in like high-end studios and whatnot. That technology is going to trickle down to us as far as the laptops and you know, well, the computers and stuff we're using the software would it be affordable for a small business to, to actually invest in stuff like that. Already um, you got the motion capture suits and, and things like that that you could buy. But, um, yeah, that, that – that's exact. I got other projects that's ready to go, and um, and and I, and I plan on um, go ahead and continue. And I'm like, I got three or four scripts that I was mm-hmm. actually shooting. Actually, the script that I started shooting in Atlanta when I got sick, I'm going to do that as a as an animation too. And um, and a friend of right. mine, a good friend of mine named Bob Watson, he has a um, a, um, a company that's producing films. He, he's written a script that'll be perfect for animation. And um, and I'm talking to him about um, doing it as an animation now. So I got a few in the cut. That's and, and so you know that kind of answers my question from about twenty minutes ago about whether you know you're 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 going to actually become uh, a, a studio that takes other people's projects and also brings them to life too. So I mean your your ambitions are big, man, and and it sounds like not you know and it doesn't even sound like you need any help getting there. You're already on your way, you know. No, no, I, def- I definitely need help. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's hard trying to do it yourself. One of the things that I've noticed when I was doing a lot of film is you rely on you got to rely on a lot of people because making a movie is a is a is a is a heavy lift. Um, you got you got other actors, you got people, cameras, the oh, camera lighting, yeah. and all that stuff. But with this animation, you kind of can do a lot of the stuff yourself, but you still need voice actors. Um, you still need people to help you with marketing and promotion. Um, you still need people to, to actually look at it with an objective eye and say, you know, I mean, this kind of doesn't kind of look right, and, and why is she doing this and stuff like that. So you still got to rely on people, just not as much. But um, I'm I'm always looking for people that are that are interested, that are driven, and smart, and, and actually want to learn this stuff. And and as, as long as you you come with an open mind and like look, um, and want to learn, and, and 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 you're passionate about it, and, and I'm willing to work with you because I'm here every day, so I'm, I'm not going anywhere. You know, I'm just looking for somebody that's going to be here and, and work with me. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. Um, did you did you hear about uh, Google rolling out their their um, live uh, their their newest voice synthesizing software where it's indistinguishable from uh, a person? No, I haven't. You know, heard I think I read about it back in Wired a couple years ago, but they're rolling it out now. Yeah, they just had a demo. I think it was earlier this week, either this week or last week. And then, and then, you know, of course, the naysayers and all the the little foot. Oh, I almost said the p word. All, all these, <laughs> all these complaining people. They're talking about. Well, you know, they should announce when you're talking to a computer and not to a real person because blah 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 blah. <laughs> you know, like, like, shut the hell up, you know? Because you know, but but stop and think about that technology because that. You know, when you meld that with mm-hmm. 3D animation, with the you know where we are with 3D animation, dude, mm. you don't you know you don't even need to do voice actors anymore. You can really yeah. become an all-in-one production with wow. with no real actors, with nobody but the right. technical right. people right. who are putting that's together who are putting together the thing. I thought that was that's so that's cool. Yeah, that, that's always been a bottleneck. Is is that you got to rely on other people, um, 
if they're not really professionals, it, 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 it's kind of hard relying on people that aren't really professionals, and then professionals want, want to get paid. So um, you end up using stuff like Fiverr, people like Fiverr. It's not, not knocking Fiverr. There's some pretty um, talented people there and some, some pretty dedicated professionals. Um, but right. a lot of guys just don't do what you need or they're just in it for the money or they, they really don't care. And there's somebody over in India trying to, trying to cash, trying to get some money out of Americans. But, um, yeah. Well, the thing, the <laughs> like thing said, that, pisses, that pisses me off, you know, I've, I've done, I've done a number of movies, you know, both for, mm-hmm. I've done some, some shorts for myself and I've done others, but I'll tell you the one thing that pisses me off and, and actually it pisses me off on, on doing this show too. And you were not guilty of it. But I'm tired of folks who can't show up on time. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> my, my, compu- my computer is always there. I don't have to worry about my computer showing up late. And, and so just think in terms of labor, in terms of how you're going to produce something, when you don't have to rely on the vagaries of somebody with a bad attitude or, or some prima donna or whatever, when you can just flip a switch, uh, type in the words, do the dialogue, put in the pauses, and then boom, run with the whole thing. That see now that's intriguing to me when I don't have to put up with uh, with uh, with somebody with a bad attitude. So right. that, I think that's the thing that intrigued me the most. Oh really? A computer that can do all the dialogue and I don't have to worry about uh, uh, um, you know this guy showing up later. Absolutely. So, I mean, the, those prospects are pretty cool. But I think, I, you know, yeah, my bitching aside, the, the best part about it is that we're developing the tools where, where so much of what we like in entertainment becomes so attainable for, for even the novice. That's the best right. part because what it's doing is it's giving us tools that make production accessible to people who normally, I mean, look, Ten years ago, ten years ago, you you know, you couldn't even put together a movie really unless everybody, unless you had your whole, uh, all your production staff, uh, the the actors, everybody, all in the same location. Now yep. that's not so. I mean, yep. you, you look at uh, like, uh, well, I guess the best example is Transformers because when you look at the rendering farms that they had in order to put together the, the, the latest Transformers movie, you know, yeah. so much of that was done with nobody having to be in the frame at all. You know, they, yeah. they, they did the whole thing. So, you know, I'm, I'm watching the technology and I'm enjoying it. You know, and Jarvis, Jarvis is, is, is utilizing, you know, as much of the cutting edge as can be afforded in order to do the Earth Squadron movie. And yes, we're still relying on voice actors, and we still had to have somebody write the script, and we still have to have yes, yes. people rendering the ships and and rendering the you know making the suits and things like that. Yes. Still, in all, you know, if if I go down to the EarthSquadron.com website and I look at all of the people who are in in the production, I, I doubt that any two or maybe 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 a couple live in the same city. You know, yeah. so that's kind of cool too. That's that's like one day I'm going to call you up and I say, oh hey, I quick, I need this animation. Here's what I need. Um, how soon can you turn that out? You go, hmm. Tell you what, we'll have we'll have your first draft done by the end of the week. Right now, how yeah, cool is that? I mean. Just to go from my mouth to seeing a digital production on the screen 
is going to be that easy. So I'm, I'm well, really happy now. to see my customers. I do that now. They, they, they give me or send me a request and say, okay, give me a little sketch of what they got in mind. I have something done with them within a day or two, you know, something real quick, and then I go in and, and really jazz it up um, and, and make it so much Do you do pickup work like that a lot? Yeah, yeah, that, that's what keeps me keeps me going. It kind of slows me down as far as doing my project, but it's got to be done, you know. It, it helps pay the light bill. It helps when oh. I need software and stuff like that, and you know, I don't want to have to come out of my pocket, you know, so stuff like that. Yeah, well, okay, well, I'll have to talk to you about barter because if I had two nickels to rub together, I'd be out on a Friday night. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So I mean, it sounds like not only are you excited about it, but it's it's still fun to you. It's not tedious yet, is it? No, no, it's not. It's too much. It's too much stuff to get tedious. Because if I get bored with doing animation, I can jump to doing some audio work. If I get bored with that, I can go do some modeling. If I get done with that, I do some work in in in, in Photoshop. You know, fixing up some skins yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. It's always something. So I never get yeah. bored with it. Honestly, never yeah, get bored. Uh, can you can you describe for the people who are listening both live now and the people who pick this up as a podcast, tell us the, the, the software that you're using to accomplish what you're doing because a lot of people are always interested in the nuts and bolts of how how you do what you do. Okay. Um it's majority of it, it's um it's icon. Um that's my where I bring everything in to, to be animated and, and everything like that, as far as the characters okay. and the timeline and everything like that. Um, I'm not, not not the timeline, but as far as my characters and backgrounds and props and stuff like that, it's all core at the core. It's icon, but I do incorporate um, like uh, Grand Theft Auto Five. They have this feature called um, um, Director Director View or whatever, where you can actually record scenes from inside the game, and then you can take okay. those and you can chop them up and put them inside your own inside your own productions. Um, I, I use I use that to so some of the backgrounds and stuff. That's why I got that look for the opening trailer, well, for the um, opening teaser for my movie. Um, I use that a lot in there. Um, of course, I use uh, um, programs like um, Photoshop and Illustrator and stuff like that when I want to go in and, and actually create, um, like, textures and I want to give a, a character a different look. I want to change the coding and change the styles and stuff like that. I can go on Photoshop and usually do that. Um, along with a program called Character Creator, which is which comes along with iClone and helps you um, with producing your characters and stuff like that. But um, other than that, I use um the the Adobe Suite for um right for um production. I use Premiere is my um is my actual video editor, and I'm using Audition now. But I plan to switch to Pro Tools for my um audio recording and things like that. But um. Yeah, I kind of use trying to stick to the standard stuff. Um, not crazy, just that iClone is just a beast, and it's getting better and better um, every time they bring in some new updates or new improvements. Um, I'm just in love. Just I just love it. Right, right. Somebody, somebody in the chat room asks, uh, "What about black people? You know, the modeling for black people?" <laughs> Trust me, when I first started, it was hard because. It, it's like they sold this uh, pack of, of people, um, and they had yeah. the black people that they had in the pack were like hideous. Yeah. And it's like, wow, where did they get these people from? I actually got a refund on that pack because I'm like, I'm offended because these these characters, black characters, look, look crazy. And you know, I got a refund on that pack, and I started doing my own. And um, I think I did a pretty good job of um, actually um, producing my own characters, um, and giving them stuff like like really sharp haircuts and stuff like that, like. Um, and things like that, really sharp fades and, and waves and stuff like that in their hair and stuff like that. 
Um, yeah. Stuff that I guess other people don't think about when they when they're actually producing characters. I gotta make them look cool and hip and modern. So that's what I that, that's that's what I'm trying to achieve. Could you now? Could you could you produce you know like a stable of black characters with different attributes and stuff like that, and sell them back to these white? I mean to these uh, uh, producers. <laughs> definitely, I, I plan to do that. I plan to put that on my store. Um, the characters that I'm using in my movie, I'm definitely planning to put them up for sale after the movie gets released. I'm going to put them up in my right. store, in my iPhone store, definitely. Nice, nice. Because you know what? Yeah. The the thing is, they're not they're not going to concentrate on it unless they see some dollars in. You know, but if they could go and buy it from you, that's a hell of a lot cheaper than have, than having to pay, you know, development money to have it done. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, so that's, that's definitely. definitely and then, they, and then they, once they see it's really popular, then they'll jump on, and, and then they'll then they'll create something that looks kind of like people would use. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So I mean, this this is really cool. I mean, you're 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 entirely self directed. You're having a lot of fun. You know, you you turn any kind of BS adversity that you had in your life into an advantage for you. Uh, yeah. You know, let's 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 look a little bit down the road. Where do you think you're going to be in five years? Um, my plan is to to have my studio up and running, and and I can sit back and I can I'll be able to green light the project that I want to green light. Um, right. Two or three projects a year, either either they be um live action or or animation. But I plan to focus on the um on the animation because eventually I think you won't be able to tell the difference. And I want to be one of those. They say, "Wow, that, that movie was great! I can't believe it was all animation." So that, that's kind of where I want to go with it. That's that's where I plan to be in five years. I'm in my own studio. Um, maybe twenty, thirty I, people know, working with me. You know, I, at first I'm I'm thinking to myself, "Oh man, they can't get to the point where you know live live action is going to be indistinguishable from digitally created." We're already then, there. But you, but I know. But then you look at. Here's the thing that always blows my mind. I was uh, I was at one of these uh, conven- uh, conventions um, in Boston, and I was on a panel about Jurassic Park, and right. you know, it, my and it wasn't it was just a small joke, but my joke was, you know, when I went and saw that movie, I decided that I wanted to grow up to be a dinosaur wrangler. You know, <laughs> I'm serious, man, because it. it had we ever seen anything like that before? No, we hadn't. No, and they invented, they used this brand new technology. There was no stop right. motion. They had I forget what they called it, but they they were using this brand new technology, and and yeah, they had to build uh, you know the T Rex head, you know, to, to, right, to bounce right. against the bus and stuff like that. But still, you know, as far as you could tell, you look at that movie, and and if you're a kid, you could go. Well, hell, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna grow up and be a dinosaur wrangler, you know. Well, yeah, except for the yeah. rap, it, it, it still stands so, up today. You can tell it still looks as good today as it does ten years ago, twenty years ago. Yeah, and 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 so you know when when you know just as I was saying, oh man, they're never gonna be able to do you know real life people as well as in a way that you can't tell. But then yeah. you know what? They did it with dinosaurs. You know, and yep. yes, we don't know what real dinosaurs actually look like. Some may have had feathers, some may have not. You know, whatever, whatever, whatever. You know, you could argue about that stuff all the, all along. But then, you know, there's some other milestones that I was looking at because I read a lot of trade magazines and tech magazines, mm-hmm. and I was reading about how they invented new math in order to do the hair in The Incredibles. You know, yeah. 
software. Yeah, to make they had to do the same thing all over. They had to do the same thing with um cars. They had to invent the new map to make the cars look shiny and stuff. And and it's it's crazy. And they did the same thing with um with um what is it Toys Incorporated or something like that with the monsters. With monsters. Oh yeah, monsters Inc. Monsters Inc. Yeah, yeah. and and so you know and then you you know you read deep into the weeds and they're talking about. Well, this is how we make flesh look like flesh. We we give it layers and have the 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 light, the digital light, mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. penetrate the top layers and reflect back the pink, the yeah. the muscle, the all of that. And and so it, it it's astounding to me that that level of thought is going into that level of mathematics in in, in order to create the you know the the simulation of life of real life so you know i i take i take back my resent you know my my re- resistance to you saying well you know we could do a whole thing with uh with uh you know render render real people um and then the other part you know the beat part that we were talking about a second ago where google now has a voice where where they put in imperfections where they have it clearing its voice where clearing its throat where where they put a pause in or they they put in a hitch in the voice or or whatever, just like we talk. Man, you know, it, it's these are really exciting times. These are exciting yeah. times, and and you're deep into the tools to do it. So for you, it's just going to be steadying on, just growing with the technology. You know, yeah, it's not like all of a sudden you're you're some kind of oh I'm going to go to film school today and then try to learn everything. You're already deep into it. Yeah, yeah, I've been I've been doing it for at least ten years, at least ten fifteen years now. But when I was, when I first yeah. started out filmmaking, do you have some examples of you know some of the animation that you've rendered that are online so people can take a look at it? Yeah, I have the, um, the opening sequence to to my film um, Assassination of Truth is on my website. I, I posted it in the in the chat. Um, take a look. At oh that. yeah, yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, the Assassination of Truth dot com, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the website, and um, that's where I have the um, the trailer. Um, I do have a, another something I was working. on. I thought I'd have it done by the, by the end of the show, but before the show's aired, but I don't. So, as people have to well, wait for right. it. Well, the other cool thing about doing this show is, you know, once it's done, you know, you can you can link to it so people can learn a little bit more about you. You know, from your website, you know, you can point to a two-hour interview where people can go, "Oh, so this is what he's all about." What he went through. This, 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 this. You know, right. Um, so, so that's the. Yeah, and the other thing I really, really, really want you to do is, as you reach your milestone, you have to, you know, you have to post up, you know, make some blog posts in VSFS so that we can keep track of what you're doing, because the the, the coolest thing that we can do is all support each other. You know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I plan. I, um, I'm on um the Facebook group um a lot. I usually I didn't post up a lot, but I will go ahead and start posting up um some more stuff. I was I wasn't I was purposely not posting up because if you start too early with the promotion and marketing, people get sick of seeing it, and I kind of want to condense it until I'm until I'm sure it's a month or two out of, of the release, which is around now. Oh yeah, now. no no no. I'm I'm just talking about clips, you know, showing showing okay. how you do your anim- animation, how you're, you know, basically showing off, you know, that. That alone, if you show some fantastic clips of, of the things that you've rendered and some of the animation you've done, that just drives people to your movie because they're going to go, oh, man, look how cool that was. Let's go see what the whole thing looks like. Yeah, definitely. That, that's something I, one thing I um, 
I admire about um, Ron Gunn. He does that a lot. He's a great self-promoter. I'm not really a good mm-hmm. self-promoter, mm-hmm. but um, I kind yeah. of get lost in the weeds as far as getting stuff done in technology, and I get lost in that and don't think about getting people, drawing people in and to actually see the stuff. And if I don't do that, I've got to learn. I'll learn that I, if I don't do that part yeah. of the equation, yeah. it's like you're just doing it. It's like you're not doing it because nobody's seeing it. Mm-hmm. So it, as, as you're looking at the landscape out there, the entertainment landscape, you know, when you, you look at, you know, I think, what did Black Panther, did they do their billion dollars? No, no, that was, uh, well, I don't know how much money Black Panther has made so far. But but when you look at that landscape, what what does that say to you in terms of what you're going to produce? And then the, the other part of that is how does how does what's current in today's entertainment, how does that affect your not only what you produce, you know, what it is that you decide to concentrate on, but also how does how does that affect the way you think about marketing your own work so that you can kind of get a leg up on where the uh where the entertainment culture is right now? Um, a big part of part of the culture right now, people seem to be caught up with um like these reality shows and stuff like that, which are really like which really ground my nerves every time I, I see them on TV. But the thing is that's modern culture. And you can't really turn your back on it if you want your your film your film your movies to have that 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 hip kind of current look. So that that's I kind of take from them like styles and and fashions and and, and slang and, and things like that and maybe the the styles of the automobiles and the and, and, you know what I mean the furniture things like that. I take the style the aesthetic and incorporate it. But as far as the what they're talking about and and the drama that they go through and all that, I try to avoid that because. That that kind of stuff is like just turn people you know, people tune into it because they like to see the the foolishness. But that's not where I want to go as a as a as a filmmaker. I want to tell more more okay, you like stories. Yeah, I want to yeah, tell you, more you like, stories on a higher level. But you got to give it that twist. You got to give it that current twist, that current, so that it feels urban and modern, um, that contemporary feel. So um, that, that's kind of try to what I try to do to balance the two. I think people are are hooked on the immediacy of reality TV. You know, it's like they think that they're seeing a slice of real life, even though every single thing that they see on TV, people don't realize that that, that it's all fake. Basically what you're looking at, what you're looking at is, is professional wrestling. Um, uh, but, but done by the the housewives of Atlanta, the real housewives of Atlanta or whatever, you know, um, I think the one that was the most embarrassing, at least culturally for me was, uh, what was the one Flavor Flav was in? Oh, <laughs> the the the, mad, the girls were competing to marry Flavor Flav and all this stuff. Oh man! Yeah. You know, first of yeah. all, the guy yeah. looks like a burnt turd. You know, and, yeah. and you know, <laughs> I, and, and he wears a clock. Okay, so yeah. I, you know, I obviously I don't understand the female mindset because I, I don't care how rich he is. Somehow I just don't. Anyway, but yeah, when when. What people don't realize is, is that everything that you see, with the exception of some news, in, in video or in a movie or in a TV show, every single thing that you see on that screen is contrived. It's controlled. Yeah. It, was, it was put there specifically to grab your attention. You know, mm-hmm. um, They had one of these shows, uh, 
what was it called? Naked in the Woods or something like that? Yeah, a while yeah. back. And, 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 and I, would, some, I, would, some, I, would, I would crack up because it seems like this guy is starving. He's out in the woods. But the, hold on, there's a cameraman right there with him. Yeah. And there was this woman who was competing or something, and she was wrestling in the water with one of the guys or whatever. And then, you know, she's on this show. She signed her waivers. She she got on there so she could get attention or whatever, mm-hmm. and then she wanted to sue them because they accidentally showed her coochie. So you know, I it, it, <laughs> the, the, the ridiculousness of my culture just boggles my mind sometimes. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, it's, it's, so, hard. it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. I, I apologize. I apologize to anybody who who might be offended by the word coochie. I, I excuse me, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but you know it's kind of cool though when you, now that you think about it you know think of you could make up a series like that you know like the Real Housewives of whatever or 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 some series like that and then just render the whole thing electronically digitally rather not electronically yeah. digitally yeah yeah, and, yeah you know I'm thinking I'm thinking some real money potential here you and I'll have to talk later because <laughs> I can I could. I'm serious, man. I can I can see a whole lot of money in this, um, just because. And and the whole reason why we have reality TV is because it's so cheap to produce. Yeah. You know, so it's not it's not like one of those one hour dramas, you know, NCIS or any of that sort of stuff. Um, yep. So so th- again, there there are all kinds of new avenues that are that are opening up for this technology that that only people with sick little minds like my own are really going to be able to exploit. I think that that's, there's some cool potential in you having your own studio. I must admit, man, that gives you the potential to do so many cool things and, and to do them at a cost benefit that, that's really relatable, that, that, yeah. that makes it work. You know? Yeah, that, that's that's my thing. I've always when I looked at businesses that that I wanted to try and get into, my thing is is low overhead. Keep your yeah. overhead low. That that's the thing I tell people when I go out. Oh well, I want to do this business. I want to do that business. I'm like, dude, you need you need money to keep those businesses running. You know that that overhead. You got two thousand, five thousand dollars a month overhead right off the bat before you even have any customers and you build up any customers. With something like this, you can take your time and grow into it. And you might have to keep up with the technology as far as the software and stuff like that, maybe um, some one-time investments with that in, in, in your equipment, but it's not that month-after-month hit. Um, the, 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 yeah. the, 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 really, the real hard part is just the, putting the time in and learning the stuff and, and becoming, becoming good at it to a point where you can actually um, put out a good product. Um, people, I guess, yeah. people rather spend money than to sit down and learn something. But, but the software companies have caught on to that. All the software oh, yeah, companies have caught on to, you know, that with, where they've got those those damn subscription models. Because, yeah, 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 you know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I'm caught up, and I'm guilty of that because I'm I caught up with Adobe. But I don't mind paying that because it, it's a small portion. If I, if I can't make $50 a month on my business, I don't need to be doing business anyway. You well, know? That, that, is total, that is true. I think the total of me every, in my month that I put out every month for business is maybe – Maybe hundred dollars a month that I spend that on 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 between Adobe and, and some new stuff that might come out with with iClone or something like that. But if I can't do that in business after ten years and trying to do this stuff, then I don't need to be doing it anyway. It's just a hobby, and you know it's not really the business. So you know, yeah, I'm glad I, I can I can keep myself afloat 
and um and I can afford to keep up with the technology and stuff with um just where I'm at now. So so when I do start to put out the movies, I should be ahead of the game. Sure. Somebody wants to know where you get your storylines from. Um, the stories that I've written, um, I did about three scripts. Um, they're they're basically all based in in hip hop and urban culture because that's where I'm from. I write what you know, and, and when I sit down and write something, it tends to come back to that. Um, I can I tend to put like other little twists. I'm like I might make it hip hop, like the one I'm working on now. The script I'm working on now is hip hop, but it's way way in the future. So there's a lot of little twists. That, that that go along with that, but um, it's basically in the hip hop and urban culture, but um, but they just come to me. Um, I might think of an interesting situation, <clears throat> um, something that happened to me, something that happened to somebody else. Like when I was thinking about um, um, the assassination of Truth, uh, I thought about Tupac and Biggie. I was like, what if they still would have been alive today, and where would they be in, in 2018, and, and how would their life have changed from when they were younger, and they were going through their beef and all that stuff, and um, and I kind of built a story on that. Um, it, it just comes to me, and I just I just sit down. The hardest part is just actually writing, especially with the internet. You sit down and write. I don't actually write with pen and paper. I write on my laptop. So I'm on a computer. The hardest thing to do is not to go check Facebook and, and Instagram and stuff like that. You gotta you gotta say, you know what? I'm just gonna write. And and, yeah. and once you can sit down and sit down and, and become disciplined enough to write for half an hour, an hour a day, you, you'd be surprised at the amount of, of of sheer stuff that that comes out of you when you just sit down and write it. And then you just take that and you craft it. You look for a good core, and then you just go from there and build a story. Yeah, you know that that's really wise of you too. Because, um, like I I I have I check Facebook on a laptop that sits on a chair by itself. You know, <laughs> I don't I don't I don't turn on that laptop maybe three or four times a week. You know, just to see if somebody dropped me a note or something like that. And the other part that I think you're very very wise at is something that I learned uh, early on. Um, and, and that's to work every day. Uh, yep. when, I, when I started writing my first book, uh, I treated it like a part-time job. So every night at 10 p.m., I stopped what I was doing, and I started writing till about 2 in the yep. morning. So every day I had a part-time job writing, and that's yep. how I wrote, you know, 330,000 words in nine months. You know, and mm. and I've, I've met so many people in these, these networking groups and these, you know, these workshops and stuff, uh, oh, yeah, I'm writing a book. Really? What's it about? Well, it's about blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah, how long have you been working on it? Well, off and on about uh, maybe 10, 12 years. And, and the next <laughs> question is, well, okay, no, no, wait, well, and I didn't laugh at them. I said, well, okay, so what keeps you from finishing it? And they said, well, you know, life gets in the way. Uh, you know, I've got, I've got baby or a baby. I've got, you know, I, I just got married. Um, my job yeah. makes me tired and stuff like that. And And what I realized, the, the the gestalt of that was if you don't have the commitment, if you don't yeah. treat it like like a part time job, it doesn't get done. Because how many of us really feel like, I mean, at the end of your work day, if you're not you know if you're not lucky enough to work in whatever whatever your your creative creativity is, you know how many people after going and you know digging out sewers or whatever the hell they do or you know programming for other people. How many people come home and feel like doing their own stuff? They don't. You're tired. You right. want to get away from right. the keyboard. You want to rest your eyes. You want to you want to see who won the game. You know, you want there's all kinds of things you want to watch. You want to watch your mm-hmm. real real housewives of Atlanta. You want to <laughs> or whatever. 
And, yeah, and that's because what they're doing isn't their their passion. Because if it was truly their passion, you couldn't you couldn't really stop them from doing it. I mean, they want to they may want to do it because it sounds good, or because they they one day they want to be this person. Yeah, or but it's also like robbing them. It's yeah. robbing them of their will. It's robbing them of what it takes to get done, and that's the part that I don't think people see all the time. You know, it's not only that you're tired. But what it is is you have you have let that tiredness keep you from doing what it is that your dream. But, so, it, but it, to me, it's like to me, even, even if I was tired, if, if I had to work eight, ten hour days or whatever like that, and I come home, I still would sit down from my computer and write or, and do this animation, even if I was dead tired, because this is my passion. This is is, yeah, is what you, drives me. This is why I do those ten hours a day in the office, so that I can come home and do this. That's just that's me. That's where I'm at with it because that because I'm passionate about that because I'm passionate like that in, in in what I do. And I mean, and and people that that I run into people all the time that say I want to do this and I want to do that. Well, it starts with you. You gotta you gotta invest in yourself. Um, they say they don't have their money to do this or that, but but they got they can go out and get the the latest jewelry ends or. Or the latest clothes and um, and stuff like that, and I just, or, I just shake my head because iPhone, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, I just shake my head. It's like I, I go out and I, I get my shoes from, from Payless or whatever, so that I can spend. If I have a hundred dollars, I spend fifty dollars on shoes. I spend fifty dollars on, on investing in me, you know, or, or right, in some software right. or whatever like that. So, so I I, I kind of look at these people like crazy. I save up to to get the high end computers that I need. It might take me a couple of months, but I, I get it. You know, if, if I say I need it, I put it on my, on my to-do list, and, and I work towards it. And and that's just me. I'm just passionate about my stuff because I know that one day I'll have it done. I'll have it done, and it will be something that I can say, you know, this is my first project, and I'm proud of it. And without, unless me, and otherwise it would be something that I say, you know what, I started this back in such and such, but I never finished it. That, that kind of leaves a lump in my throat. I, I hate looking back and say, you know what, I didn't do this, or I had the opportunity to do this, and I didn't do this. Those kind of situations really – really affect me more than, than doing something and, and maybe failing or not succeeding to the point that I thought I would. You know, I, mean, I would rather do it and, and, and see how it does than, than not do it and, and feel some kind of way about it. Yeah, but, you know, the, 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 the B side of that is you have to realize that that's, that that's a little more rare than you think it would be. I mean, you know, it's easy for us to say, well, this is what we have to do. You know, this is this is what we're going to do no matter what. But you know what? Not everybody's like that. Otherwise, <laughs> we would see a lot more creative work. You know, uh, okay, let's let's take one aspect. How many people still read books today? Well, not a lot of people. <laughs> not you a know, lot. Mo- uh, trust and, me, it's all I know. Yeah, and then and then how many people would listen to a book? Who would listen to an audio book but wouldn't read a book? You know, there's 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 more and more who are like that because reading a mm-hmm. book requires that you have to sit still, you have to take some yep. time, you have to focus, yep. you have to do this, that, and the other thing. So, so I think our I think our culture is changing. I think society is changing, and for whatever reasons. I mean, we've got a myriad of reasons why. You know, one of the biggest reasons is because this country has become more focused on taking care of the wealthy and not the rest of the people who make the country what it is. And when, right. when you have that going on, the things that we may need, the things that we want, the things that would give us like like tuition for our kids to go to college. When I went yeah. to college, I went to an out-of-state college, my tuition, and this will tell you about how long ago it was, my tuition was like $4,300 a semester. Wow. 
You know, <laughs> I don't think I don't think even state colleges charge that cheap anymore. So things yeah, have yeah, changed a lot. You know, people people graduate with an undergraduate degree and they've got eighty thousand dollars worth of debt. Yeah. That's a big that's a big ass hill to climb just to once you get out of school. And let's say you get a master's and, and a PhD in something and then you're looking at, you know, a hundred and eighty, two hundred thousand dollars that you have to pay off before you start making money just for yourself. It's it's tough. So 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 the culture our American culture is not wired for people to achieve the, the, the American dream. You know, and, and the people who are getting, you know, the, the, the benefits of all the things that are going on in this country, they, you know, they, they really don't need any more, any more help. So when, when you have kids and you want to send them to learn, oh, well, like what you're doing, you're doing the, the outreach to teach kids how to do animation, right? Right. And coding. Right. And coding. So, so what you're doing is you're actually giving them tools to to at least set them on a path of a certain amount of independence. That's mm. great. I mean, I have yeah, nothing but right now, the whole system, this, whole, this whole system is set up to, to just produce worker bees. You just people even now with a, with a college degree, they're going to go out and they they're going to go out and go into a job where where they hopefully will stay for for their career. But you know that doesn't happen anymore. Oh but no, they no, no. Out, they're 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 uh, fungible assets. They can get yeah. from here to there. You know, yeah. if somebody can get a, a, a worker to do something for a nickel cheaper than the people that they've got hired, they're going to fire yeah. the people they got and then hire those other people. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a tough world out there. And I think you know, obviously, the the best model to follow is an entrepreneurial one. But they make that as difficult as possible as well. You know, how do you break into uh, putting your own studio together? How do you how do you find the marketing acumen against Marvel Marvel Studios to advertise your own movie? You know, how do you do this? Mm. How do you do this? How do you do this when when it's all an uphill climb? And and you're yeah. right, it does take the persistence of somebody who's just decided, damn it, I'm going to do it. Well, yeah. you know, the and, schools and are teaching them. our kids that damn it, I'm going to do it is impossible. You know, you 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 put a, a kid through No Child Left Behind. And then they come out of high school with just enough skills to make change at McDonald's. That's pretty messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, and and people need to know they need to know the limits. Um, as much as I do, I also know my limits. I know that 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 at this point, me trying to wear all the hats, I, mean, I kind of do that with the production because out of necessity. But but there's another side to the whole product um, as far as this movie goes as far as making movies and stuff, where there's a promotion and marketing, I know that I'm not going to just jump in and be Einstein or, or know everything about this promotion and marketing and, and getting your ads um, um, looked at more on Facebook and, and, and Twitter and stuff like that and, um, and, and how, to, how to market and promote on those social medias. I, I know I'm going to have to bring in help. I've got to know my limits and say, you know what, I'm going to have to hire this out. I'm going to have to, get, I'm going to, have to let some money work for me instead of me instead of me putting in the time, because I know I would have to start from zero to learn all that stuff. And, and it, it'll just put you behind the curve after you put all this work into this movie and start from zero all over again. Um, so there comes a time when you got to say, you know what, I'm going to have to spend some money to do this and that and get other people to do this and that for me. So you can't do everything. you got to know your limits. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's funny because the person who who best typified that whole attitude of of always getting the best possible person to fill a job 
was someone everyone laughed at because he had big ears and he talked funny, and that was Ross Perot. Ross Perot yeah. with EDS always hired the best talent, the best digital talent, the best programmers, the best, you know, the best uh, network operations people, this, 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 and this, and, and he stood, he got out of their way. And a yeah. lot of people can't get out of their own way. They think, well, you know, in order to run my company, I have to have my finger on everything. I have to be the boss of everything. I have to make all the decisions. But you know what? If you surround yourself with really, really good people and, yeah. and you decide to trust them, you're you're going to go further. Because yeah. I can't be an expert at everything. I just can't. Yeah. I can't. Like I said, you know, if I if I wanted to turn uh you know my my works into movies or something like that, I I want to have a script doctor who's better than me. You know, I'm a good script yeah. doctor, but I want someone better than me. I want yeah. I want to get the top talent in the top roles. Because that's what it takes these days. Why would you want to be second best? As good as you can afford, as much as you as good as good as you can afford. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing is, I don't want my ego to get ever get in the way of me making a good decision. And that's a tough thing for people to learn. You know, yeah, people yeah. people people often ascribe allowing someone else to make a decision as somehow diminishing them. Well, unless you are a genius at everything, and who is? I don't know anybody who is. You know, right. uh, as, as good as James Cameron is, uh, he did Avatar, right? Yeah. Yeah, as good as James Cameron is, he, he's only a half-ass writer. He can't write, worse, uh, he can't write very well. <laughs> and, and, and even though he technologically, I'm sorry, even though technologically Avatar was great, you know, especially with, if you looked at it in 3D or IMAX, it was it was just a mind blowing visual experience. But the story was just Dances with Wolves, yeah, you know, yeah. where 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 basically you had the white guy coming to the natives and making everything uh-huh. right. And, and, and you know what? That, colonial colonial. Yeah, and that and that wasn't even original. You know what the very first example of that was? Johnny Weissmuller in Tarzan. You know, mm. how the hell yeah. does some white see. swimming guy <laughs> run the whole jungle? You know, yeah. you become king of the jungle. <laughs> oh man! So you know, you 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 can't be the best at everything. If you have enough money, you can get away with it. But that doesn't always guarantee that you're going to have the best product. And I'd rather have the best product. Um, you know, for me, yeah, I write my own books. I don't let other people help me, you know, uh, uh, write them for me. But I sure as hell farm them out to beta readers and say, go ahead, tear it up. Let me know what's not working. Let me know if there's something weak. Let me know if I got a character who doesn't sound right. Because I am not the final arbiter of all things, you know, in, in, in a story. So um, I think I think you're very wise to have, you know, said you, you recognize the fact that other people can not only lend assistance but give you vital assistance in areas where you may not be the best. So, yeah, I, you know, I don't see I, – I see no flaws in your business plan. I mean, I actually don't. And I, I look hard. I always look hard because, you know, one of the things I do is I write business plans for other people. I, I look at other people's business and how they're going to go forward and try to find, well, do you have a weakness here? Do you have a weakness there? Are you not thinking about this? And uh, the only, I'll tell you the one universal thing. I don't know if this helps anybody who's listening, but I will mm-hmm. tell you the one universal weakness that everybody, every single person who I have met, um, 
who, who put together a business plan for a new business has the mistake they've made. And sometimes it's not a mistake. It's just they overlooked it or they didn't know yeah. any better. If people start a business undercapitalized, okay? Right. If you're going to start a brand new business and, and like for what you're doing, you're putting together your studio. Well, you know that it's going to cost X amount of dollars. And one of the mm -hmm. things that a lot of people in your position don't do is they don't pay themselves first. See, that's the mistake they make. If you can't pay yourself first, you're not going to survive right. because you can't, right. you, you can't do that. You know, and so right. people undercapitalize. If you're going to start a new business, let's say you're going to start a restaurant and you don't have enough money to run your restaurant for a year without making a nickel, you're going to fail. I, yep. I will tell you 100% you're going to fail. If you're going to start yep. a car repair shop and you can't do your first year without making a nickel, you're going to fail. Any business that you start, if you can't do it without making a nickel for the first year, you will fail. And, and what happens? Most businesses fail in the 13th or the 14th month. Wow. So everything that you've talked about makes sense. You know, and yeah. the fact that you, you know, you're constantly moving forward, you, you know, you're looking at revenue, you're looking at, at getting the best people to do the job. And you said paying them, paying the best yeah. people to do the job. That, that's that's you know, important because that you people. can ask people to do stuff, and, and when you ask people to do stuff, and, I mean, even if they're somewhat talented at it, um, it, it just doesn't feel the same, whereas, it's, you know, we're in a contract and, and I want you to do X, Y, and Z for me and I'm paying you X amount of dollars to do X amount of this or work for this amount of hours. It, it, it's just a different type of relationship, and, 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 and you get what you pay for in most parts, um, especially when yeah. you're dealing with professional people, good people that, that do this. This is what they do. You know, they, they're trying to build their business. You're trying to build your business, and, and you rely on people like that. It, it just makes things a lot easier. I've definitely noticed that as opposed to um, asking a lot of people to do things um, just for the for the love, as we would say. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I mean, kinda, when you're doing movies, mm -hmm. when you're doing live-action movies, you know, especially like, like Chicago is kind of like a, it's a college town. You know, people don't necessarily look at it like that, but we've got, you know, we've got a film school. We've got, we've got dozens and dozens and dozens of colleges here. You know, if, if people are trying to learn a trade, yeah, you know, they they can't expect to get paid. Maybe they they get fed, you know. Yeah. You know, my my and and stuff like that. But but you're right. People should be paid for what they do because if you devalue the people who you are hiring, mm -hmm. then it that doesn't speak well for how you're doing business, you know? Yeah. Or or how's this how's this one? Hey, could you do about $10,000 worth of work for me and then I'll pay you on the back end? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh man, if I had a nickel oh, yeah. for how many times I heard that, then you, you know, you and I wouldn't be talking. I'd be out partying someplace. I'd have bought an island, you know. Um, yeah, I've, yeah. I've had people come to me and go, you know, you've written some very successful books. Could you help me write mine? Well, what's your book about? Well, my book is about me, you know, because I think that my life is really interesting, and I think other people would get benefit learning how I did my life. And I go, well, how could that possibly be when you're already boring the hell out of me, you know, just standing here telling me about it, you know. And so, so I, don't, I don't always make friends and influence people that well. But, but yeah, you know, have, have a plan, follow the plan, but in your plan, make sure that you're doing the things that, that are good, are, are best business practices. So I don't see yeah, any one, one of the things you mentioned, you, 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 mentioned, you mentioned something about people going into business and doing things and, and being underfinanced. One of the biggest things that people 
um, would talk about they, they plan on starting a business, and they, they have all these grand ideas of, of, of starting a business and doing this and doing that. And and, then, and you say, well, where are you going to get the capital to start this business? They say, well, man, don't you know that they, they give money away? People give um, – that you can get free money for doing this and that and this and that in the government or people do grants and stuff like that. I'm like, man, you already want to sell. If you if that's yeah. your business plan, you need to go back to the drawing board. All right, you want to hear – you want – yeah, you want to hear a good laugh? Um, when I, during during the after after the turn of the century in the 2000s, I started writing my book in 2001, and of course, I started networking with a lot of other writers and and a lot of mm-hmm. people, you know, who who want, were doing books and stuff. And I, excuse me for saying so, and but it, this is the God's honest truth. I would say that 95% of all of the black authors I met who were in the process of doing a book, I asked them, okay, so what's your marketing plan? What's your business plan? How are you going to get your book out there once, once it's done, you've got everything done, you've got the cover, you, you know, and it's, it, it's ready to go? Well, and, and this is their answer. 95% of them said, well, I'm going to get my book to Oprah and have her put it in her book club. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, get, get in the back of the line for that. <laughs> oh my God! I, and and I I would hear it over and over and over again. And I, you know you can't call somebody a stupid. Mu- you can't say they're dumb, or you know <laughs> to their face or anything. But that's their business plan. Well, I'm gonna write a book and I'm gonna get it to Oprah. Well, most of them didn't even do their research. They didn't realize that for the most of the time Oprah had her book club. She had like a 28 year old white woman reading the books for her. Wow. <laughs> you know Oprah didn't even read those books unless you know it was something really notable, you know. Yeah, and then and then when she got yeah, burned she got burned by those like uh those couple of authors who wrote books right. that were supposed to be autobiographical and they were all lies. Then when right. she chose Charles Dickens, I knew that the jig was up. Because when you choose Charles Dickens for your book club and, and you're you you know, you started the whole thing to bring new voices forward yeah. and, and to give people a chance who wouldn't normally have a chance and you're gonna choose Charles Dickens yeah, yeah, <laughs> <You're done. laughs> yeah. That, that, that's good to put that in that plan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so, I that, mean, that's kind of why I, I, um, when I did the book, I didn't really go ahead and promote it and and stuff like that because one, because I got sick, but then I didn't really, I didn't know the ropes of marketing and promotion. I didn't want to make a big mistake, so I, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm waiting until I, so I work with somebody that can do it, and in the meantime, I'm, I'm gonna move forward on doing a movie and stuff like that. So then I'll have something to market and promote when I actually work with, with the marketing and promotion people. So Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but you still had a plan. Yeah, you yeah, had a plan yeah. that wasn't that wasn't I'm gonna call Oprah and have her put her book in her book club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know I know, I know, I know oh, my limits. Man. I know my limits. I know my yeah, limits. Definitely, yeah. definitely important. People just don't they jump into stuff and be over their head and, and don't realize that they have no idea. They 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 run a they run a um, election and then they went and don't know what they're going to do when they went yeah. to office. Now my <laughs> my only concession to that silliness that silliness of thinking was in my first book. I had a college in Atlanta, an all women's uh, uh, college in an all all black women's college in Atlanta, and I named it Stedman. Now uh, you know. I, I, he and I have mutual friends, and, and once we showed up, we were at a luncheon together, and we were talking, and I gave him a copy of the book as, you know, to tell him the joke, and he laughed his ass off, and I said, I don't want you to hand this book to Oprah or anything like that. I just put that in there as a joke, 
here, this is my gift to you, and I inscribed it, and I just handed it to him and walked away. Because, you know, we're, we're sitting there having lunch. You, can't, you don't impose on somebody like that. What am I supposed no. to do? So, Deadman, go hand Oprah this book. You know, that's, <laughs> first of all, that's wrong. And th- there are so many black folks who are bold enough that they would have done that. But I said, I put a joke in this book. And he said, what's the joke? Because uh, my, our mutual friend, you know, that, that we all were at the luncheon for, said he's going to crack up when he hears that. So I said, do you think I should say anything to him? He said, yeah, you should, because it's a good joke. And, and so he's got a copy of, of Discovery that I inscribed. And, and, of course, I didn't hear from Oprah, didn't expect to hear from Oprah. I didn't expect nothing. But that was my, my concession to that whole have Oprah make your dreams come true thing, you know? So, uh, and, and he, thought, he, he thought it was funny. We did sit and we talked for a little while, and then, you know, other people were at the lunch and were circulating and stuff like that. But, but to, 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 to hang your hat, to hang your whole future on Oprah's going to make me rich, is like, I, I always thought that was just nonsense. So, anyhow, all right, we're coming down to about the last ten minutes here because we got to have uh, we have some have to have some time for uh, Jarvis to give an update on what's going on. Um, okay. So, uh, you know, if if you were going to look back and 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 illness aside, except for how it did drive you forward, because you know from what everything you've said. It just made you more determined to stick around, to get healthy, to, to do better. But if, if you were going to say what was the most important lesson you learned in putting together, you know, the, the, the beginnings of your studio project, what do you think that would be? I mean, if you're going to tell, if you were standing in front of a bunch of business kids, you know, some maybe seniors in high school or freshmen or something like that, I, what do you think is the most significant thing that, that kind of drove you toward your success? Hmm. I guess that, that would have to be the fact that um, that this is my passion, that, that this is um, the, the technology and, and, and just working. working living for your myself dream? Because, yeah, just living my dream and, and doing stuff that I love to do. That's the most important thing. Cause I couldn't imagine putting all this time and all this energy into something that I wasn't, that I didn't really feel like if I was doing a, doing this project for somebody else um, that had written it and, and wanted me to come in and do the animation and do the movie and stuff, I don't think I would would have put in this much passion and and drive into it because it, it, it's, it's I mean because I guess I would because it's my because it's me actually doing the animation and stuff but it's not my project it's not my baby um, I guess I wouldn't doing something for somebody else. Is is just not me, and, and and when I'm doing my own thing, I, I feel, I feel, I feel energized. I, I never get tired of this stuff. So that that's what puts what what's the drive behind it. Because I know that one day I'm, I'm going to get to that point um, where I can look back and say it's it's been all worth it. Um, but it, it's hard on that struggle. And if you don't, you're doing something that you really don't feel, and and, and that's not really in you to do. And it's just like it's going to wake up and it's going to be just a job, something you do for money. That's how you want to end up looking at it. Yeah, yeah. And and you know the daily grind can get to you. You know there are times when, you know, I think most people who work for somebody else, you know, who have to get up and go to work, you know, there there are always the highs and lows. You know, sometimes you have some some significant uh, uh, things happen that really make you feel good about you know what you're doing, and then sometimes you know you you you're, you're sitting there, you know, either at, at work or even at home after you've been to work, 
and you go, what the hell am I doing? You know, where, how is this feeding my soul? You know, I'm surviving. Mm-hmm. I'm just barely getting by. You know, I mm-hmm. hate this. I hate my work. I hate my job. Oh, man, Monday's coming. Screw this. You know, all of that. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so, yeah, I, I do get that. But, you know, a lot of people, you know, it, it's not easy making it in, in the world today. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't mean like, you know, that, that Cheers song, making the way your way of the world today it takes everything you've got. Everything you got, yep. But, but the, the fact of the matter is, you know, there, there are so many things that are up against people succeeding that sometimes it's hard. And and I think it, I think it, I, I don't remember I'm away from my keyboard but Jarvis put in there that or somebody put in the chat room that networking is important and one of the biggest the most important aspects of networking is is support just support like if you have a crappy day um, and and you can talk to somebody who who goes through the same thing you go through. You know, that helps because also other people can help you with your coping skills or other people can say, hey, dude, you had a rotten-ass day, you know, and, and this happened to you. You know, it happens to a lot of people, but, you know, keep on doing what you're doing. Sometimes you do need a little push from the outside. And you mentioned that you get that kind of support from your wife, and that's pretty cool, you know, that, mm-hmm. that you've got that going on. Um, so it, 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 I think it is important, you know, piggybacking on what you said, to, to maintain the kinds of relationships and the kinds of friends around you who are supportive so they can yeah. help you out in, in those times when not everything is going according to your plan, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, that's why I, um, I try to build up a network of, of people online um, with, like, the groups and the chat rooms and stuff like that. These are my friends in Atlanta um, um, who, who just um, who, who talk shop and, and they, they kind of get where I'm coming from and, and, and they're kind of working along the same lines. Um, shout out to Lonnie Jackson in Atlanta if he's listening and um, he's doing his thing down there and um and and, and, and we just talk about what's going on and, and, and how the business is progressing and, and and moves we're making and stuff like that and that kind of keeps me going and to hear other people doing their thing and, and I can tell them what's new with me and, and we go back and forth and just to have a good network system, you know, I mean, me and one gun go back and forth a lot. Um, um, we got other friends on, on the net that, um, that we talk to a lot. So it's just important to have those, um, those relationships um, and just build those up while you're coming up because you never know, you know when you get up, when you, when you finally do make it, you know, you'll be able to help some people out. Um, and and yeah. that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, and, and the other thing that I think that we tend to, um, I, I find it, unfortunately, still more often than not, is that <clears throat> a lot of black entrepreneurs still treat business like a zero-sum game. So, like, yeah. if you if you have a if you have a, a a production studio and I have a production studio, um, <laughs> I just pulled a nasty trick on people in the chat room. Um, I threw the Cheers theme song in there. Um, but <laughs> but you know, if if you and I are are both doing the same thing. You know, there's a tendency for, you know, like for me to believe that every time you make a dollar, you took a dollar out of my pocket. That dollar came out yeah. of my pocket. And that's just yeah. not so. I mean, first of all, uh, there's not- enough to go around. And not only that, but you know what? You can still make more money working with somebody than you not having had that work at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you yeah. either lack the expertise or you lack the capacity. Yeah. So a lot of people forget about that, that networking is very, 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 very vital. 
and that you cannot always, you know, sit there and think, geez, everybody out there is out to get me, or, you know, I have to make it, make, uh, go it alone. You know, Jarvis and I don't speak a lot, but when we do, we talk about, you know, what we're doing. And, and you know, if we ran into something good, if we ran into something bad, you know, he, he's great. I got, I got networking people here in Chicago. Some of them, when they know that I'm in full-on writing mode, don't answer their phone because they go, you know, I can't listen to your shit anymore. So <laughs> don't read me anymore of your chapters. I got my own life. You know, but, but still, um, oh, one of the things that I'm getting ready to do is we're going to put together a, a writer's workshop series, and we're going to be doing it on Amtrak. So from Chicago, we take the, the, the day trip to Minneapolis and come back. And so there's a half a dozen to a dozen of us writers on that, on, on that train, and we're doing the actual writer's workshop. So we're kind oh, of wow. isolated, but yet there's, there's like scenery going by. You know, it, you know, you can get the food there or bring your own food. We'll have probably a couple of sleeper cars in case somebody wants to take a nap. But that, that is such a cool idea for an all-day writer's workshop, you know, instead How of sitting in a school or um, I'm not sure. I, uh, we're, we're, that's what we're doing right now. We're looking at all of the, the trips. Now, we're going to try to keep them down to day trips so we go out and come back in one day. Right. Eventually, I want to do like a weekend trip or something like that where we go, let's oh, say wow. we go to Colorado great. Springs and then come back. That sounds great. Yeah, and, and yeah, uh, someone, uh, Joey put in there that, that Amtrak did that. Yeah, they made an offer to individual writers where you would have to write something every day and you would have to help them with their marketing and things like that. But we want to do this. We don't, we don't want to do this for Amtrak. We're just using Amtrak as the, as the place where we're sitting and doing our work. Um, right. and, and obviously, if it, if it becomes popular, I already have lined up. There's actually someone, I'm, I'm doing a brand new, TV show soon, and it's going to start out streaming, but one of the episodes of the TV show, we're going to film the whole, you know, film how how this workshop works, you know, and that'll be one of the episodes, and so, you know, when once people catch on to an idea, and it looks like a fun idea, you know, a lot of people are going to want to get onto it, a lot of people are going to want to publicize it, um, but it's such a cool idea, and it's, it's yeah, it seems to me that it would be a lot more fun than just, you know, oh, we're having a workshop at so and so church. Uh, you know, show up at nine, bring your lunch, blah blah blah. You know, that 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 just doesn't seem as exciting. You know, and okay, and someone's going to do me one better. All right, here's what someone's going to do. Someone's going to say we're going to have our workshop on uh, uh, on American Airlines, and we're going to fly to San Francisco, and then we're going to fly back. <laughs> You know, and I'm thinking, oh yeah, an eight an eight hundred dollar workshop. Yeah, well, screw that. You know, <laughs> at least at least the check the train is a lot cheaper. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, or, or cruise. That, that, the cruise is nice. I think if, if you can get people together on a cruise, that's that's then you get a lot yeah. of um, people isolated yeah, for a little is, while. A cruise is like a vacation, though. You know, and yeah, and, yeah. You know, it could, it could distract and it could get distracting with all the um. I, I admit it, and I. Do. And, and unfortunately, I like to have sex on a cruise, you know, and you can't, you know, you, you, you can't be, you know, putting together a workshop just so that you can nail somebody. That's just wrong on all levels. But, but yeah, you're right. They, they, have, they have had big writer's cruises, 
you know, where mm-hmm. uh, I remember one was um, it was a LGBT writers workshop, and I think it was it was women. I think it was lesbians, and they were doing poetry. They were doing short stories. Some were working mm-hmm. on books and stuff, and and they did do like a three or four day cruise. So yeah, you're right. You know, people have done that. But I think the Amtrak thing is kind of cool because, you know, let's say you convene in the gondola car and you're watching the, the world go by and people are reading the things that they're writing or, or you're stuck on a, on, a, on a part of what you're working on and, and you've got some actual real other writers who are helping you put that together. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we're, we're down to about the last five minutes here. Jarvis has to stop eating his wings and go upstairs because he's going to have to get on the phone in a minute. But, I, you know, first of all, I want to thank you, man. I had a good time doing this. Did you? I mean, I hope you enjoyed it. I, I tried yeah, to make it as fun it as possible. It was great. I was kind of nervous about it, but I don't do too much publicity. But, yeah, this was great. Yeah. So, oh, uh, somebody said, uh, 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 Joey Pinkney says he's he's actually read, written some good stuff um, on the Megabus. I think the mega bus okay. is a little too distracting for me. Plus, you know, they usually have chickens walking up and down the aisle and, you know, people. <laughs> and I, I know that's wrong because I almost took mega bus up to Detroit. I couldn't believe it was only $9. You know, for, for $9. Yeah, never, you've never had the experience of getting on a mega yeah, bus. Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't either. And for 9 yeah, and for nine dollars, do you have to push start the bus, and you know, do you have to do you have to take <laughs> you your turn your driving seat. or whatever? Got to bring yeah. your own seat and whatnot. <laughs> now, my wife used to take me come back when I used to live in Pittsburgh. She used to come back and forth to Philly to, on on a mega bus or whatnot. So, yeah, and, and it was okay. She she lived through the experience. Yeah, yeah she did a couple of times. Okay, I all right. I feel better if you're about writing it. about. I guess it's okay if you're writing about the mega bus. So <laughs> if you write something about what goes on the mega bus. But yeah, you yeah. might it might be a little too distracting. All right. Well, look, uh, uh, I, I I really had a good time, man. I I enjoyed this. Um, thank you for being a great guest. You know, some people, no some problem, people, man. every now and then, I run run into somebody who wants to just answer a question with a a, a single syllable. So yeah, yeah, when I'm you got your start, hard. you know, when you got your start, how, was it exciting for you? Was it this? Was it this? Was eh, it was okay. What? <laughs> we got two hours, man. <laughs> oh man, and, and you know, there's there's no technology where I can reach my hand through the phone and grab him by the neck, you know. Not yet, not yet, not yet. Yeah, we're working on it. Yeah. All right, man. Well, look, like I said, oh, somebody had to remind me about my one interview. Anyway, um, again, keep track of or, or keep us apprised of your progress. You know, either posting up, you know, yeah, you could do Facebook, but, you know, if you want to do stuff that's a little more extensive that doesn't scroll off, obviously put it in your blog in uh, blacksciencefictionsociety.com, and then that way it's there under your name and all that. And the other thing is, um, do you do conventions at all? Yeah, I'll be actually at um, at um, DragonCon this year. Um, I'm finishing up my um, my submission for Jarvis. i got to send it to Jarvis. Um, I have it done before the end of the weekend, so... Um, be looking forward for, for that, Jarvis. So. Dude, I'll I'll see you down there. Jarvis has me uh, uh, got me to go too. So we'll we'll actually get to meet. That's the yeah. best, one of the best parts about doing this show is you know when I went to uh, Worldcon in uh, Kansas City, I met people mm-hmm. who I had interviewed but never met. 
Right. And the same the same thing in Boston. I met a couple people who I had interviewed and never met. So this is the best part for me because doing this show, I get to interview people who I never, ever, 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 ever would have met or even known about. So I consider right. I consider doing this show a, a privilege, you know, because I'm I'm actually getting to meet some pretty cool creatives who I wouldn't even know about otherwise. So that's great. Yeah, you get to and then, your network. You know, definitely get to grow your network. Yeah. Yeah, and then the other thing is, um, you know, all of your, your, you know, whatever conventions you're going to, post those in the events calendar at blacksciencefictionsociety.com. So if other people are looking at Dragon Con, they're going to go, oh, William's going to be there. I can miss him. I listen to his ass every Friday. Oh, but, uh, oh, Hassan's going to be there. So I get to go see, you know, they'll get to go see you and stuff like that. So, you know, keep keep people apprised of where you are because you never know who you're going to run into out of town, you know? Anyway, oh, 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 is Jarvis oh, doing a, um, a black animation um, panel at, on the, um, in, in the um, Dragon Con track? In the I don't track? know. Here, oh, here he is. Let's ask him. Jarvis, are you doing anything on the black animation panel at Dragon Con? Yes, I am. I'll be having um, a talk on that, a panel on it, as well as a, a, a film fest of animation. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's that's the um the the the, the short I'm um, working on now. I'm gonna send you. Um, I don't know if you got any more spots in there, but I'd be glad to, to, to bring my experience there. Okay, well, you know what? Uh, I think I got one slot left. <laughs> 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 yeah, but um, yeah, man, um, I, I'll be glad to have you as part of it, especially because your your work is like really exceptional. Uh, we had talked a little bit briefly. That kind of reminded me of um. Uh, what was the show called? Uh, I have to have a DVD over here. Pressure, and it was it, it looked yeah. like pressure taken to the next level to me, which I which I'm really <clears> excited <throat> about, especially because we use the same software. And right, right. Kind of giving me a little talking to you other guys that are doing animation, kind of put lights a, a little more fire under me to continue moving forward with our Earth Squadron project. And with yeah, that, uh, yeah, man, with that. We're finalizing uh, some of the voiceovers and going back and fixing some of the issues with um, the characters. You know, once we get into it and really start messing with the animation, like, oh, okay, these weight maps aren't right. Okay, this this face is melting off of this character. So one gun has been helping me with um, some issues that I ran into with the actual animation. But I'm really excited about the Earth Squadron project. If you haven't um, checked it out, it's at earthsquadron.com. So, yeah, I checked it out. I remember when you guys were first doing it, and then you guys took a break from it, and I was wondering what happened to it because it, it seemed like it was a good project. And I was, you just you just stopped doing. It. I guess you got other things to, on your plate, but um, I'm glad to see that you're you're back in and putting it putting it together and it's coming out. Oh yeah, sometimes you have to. You know, we we talked about that earlier, and when life happens, mm-hmm. you kind of have to prioritize and you have to step away from some something sometimes for a moment and then come back to it but it never yeah. stopped just, the production just went it just kind of slowed down but right, we're back right, right. Team on that earth squadron project and we'll be kind of promoting that all of next year so we were talking you guys were talking about marketing you have to market your stuff and yeah yeah that's one of the things i'm gonna talk to you about it is actually marketing i'm, I'm bringing people like you on to, to actually do my marketing and stuff for me because I, like i said i know my limits Oh, well, I can, I'll help where I can, but you just just with the marketing, if nobody knows you exist, they can't support what you're doing. And so I, I've been real privileged to have been able to work in marketing for several 
seven years prior to what I'm doing now. And so I've taken all of that stuff and poured it into Black Science Fiction Society. And I think that's one of the reasons, in addition to having a bunch of great people working as a team to keep this thing going, um, having that experience keeping the site going as opposed to, you know, over the course of this last 10 years that we've been around, I've seen 20 sites come and go that are similar. And and I credit uh, our community environment um, and the marketing to keeping this thing afloat and keeping it moving forward. And we're going to be running a Patreon account soon. I kind of set everything up um, to a certain point. I just need to finish the video. What we're trying to do is we're trying to shore up the efforts that we're doing by solidifying the financial base on everything that we're already doing so that we can have a solid base and move forward doing other things that we want to branch out into. Like right now we're doing the radio show, we're doing the magazine, we've got the book series, we've got the movie, we're doing the site itself. But we want to actually move more into games, toys, and events. Now we've been making stabs into these different things, but we want to do it in these upcoming years with with the right financial backing. Right, right, right. Yeah, you oh, got yeah. the right idea. That that, that, that merchandise, that's where, that's the, the other side of the coin comes in. You get, you can make just as much money off of merchandising and, and, and toys and clothes and stuff like that as you can off the actual feature film. Yeah, exactly. And you, you kind of use that stuff to bootstrap the uh, the main thing. You know, you sell these T-shirts and posters <laughs> and stuff to keep um, everything going into like I said, have that solid financial base to keep moving. Oh, before I forget, I want to throw a quick shout out to Quasi, Quasi Jackson. He's going to be doing his um, first art show at Tennessee State University, uh, July, July and August. And so he's going to have about a dozen pieces of his artwork there. So I'm going to need him to post that up on the, the website in the event section. Hint, hint. Um, and also on the sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> on the sci-fi tour, Black Sci-Fi tour, we've been to four events so far this year, and we have at least eight more uh, that we're privileged to go to. Uh, we've been to Honest Con, we've been to Afrofuturism Mini Fest uh, here in Nashville. We went to the Atlanta Sci-Fi and Fantasy Expo and the African American Author Fair here. Now we also have coming up Nerd Urban Nerd Con, which we're sp- helping sponsor. Um, of course, Dragon Con, uh, Onyx Con. There's a second Onyx Con in August. Um, okay. The Uperior Experience with Lonnie Jackson. You guys. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. Lonnie. Yeah, can't wait to get can't wait to get back in touch with him. Yeah, he's good people, man. Um, also, the African Street Festival here in Nashville, the Motor City Black Age in Detroit, and we're also looking into possibly adding the Black Women's Expo here in Nashville and the Jazz Festival. So these are some okay. great opportunities for uh, Black Science Fiction Society to get out there. And if you uh, if you would like, if you could send us like promotional material uh, of yours, and that's everybody that's you know in the chat room and is listening to this that want to help promote their stuff, I can kind of put it in uh, the bags when we sell stuff. We can put your stuff in addition to ours, and it'll help kind of help market each other. And so these cool. Oh, man, I didn't know you were going to do that. Shoot, I sent you a, a, a crate of stuff last week. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It just kind of came to mind uh, as you guys were talking. We were talking about marketing, and it's always 
you know, you have to try to be really creative to, to get this, to move the ball forward. And so sure. that's something that's not going to really cost anybody anything, just slip some advertisements in with the bags, you know, with people buy books and stuff. So I'd be more than yeah, happy yeah. And I'm, I'm really geeked to see uh, Hassan's animation, man. He's doing it. He's doing it. So yeah, I, I, doing, I, I had a scene I was working on. I thought I'd be done tonight to, to, to actually show you guys, but um, um, I I I I'll, I'll probably post it up in the um, in the Icon um Guild in the Icon Guild group, so you'll be able to check it out. Oh, That's kind of where I where I post my stuff make at. Sure to post it on. Um, make sure to post it on the site in the video section. Okay, well, I kind of, I kind of want to just keep it to people that that's working with icons, so I get feedback and stuff. I want to put out to the general public like that. But when, okay. when it's done, yeah. But that's that's where people can see like some of my stuff that I'm still working on because I don't put it out publicly all over the place, just in there. Because I know that there are people there that that work with icon and they can spot little things that the average audience won't see. So yeah, I'm real, real impressed with what I'm seeing, man. So keep doing what you're doing and leading by example. Hey, I, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. And who else is in there? Is, is, uh, is uh, Alonzo? Oh, he's gone. Alonzo, he's been a big part of the Earth Squadron project. He's taken my little uh, raggedy animations and characters and, and turned them into something really, really interesting and, and, and worthy of admiration, I think. And then also, <laughs> William, he did. People don't know that uh, Earth Squadron was a story I wrote like, probably like. Uh, 16 years ago, and I mm-hmm. put it off ice and talked to William about it and gave it to Will, and Will took that, that little short story that I wrote and made it into an 80-page script. You know, wow. he breathed, really breathed life into that project, so I had my hat's off to William for uh, contributing to that, because it wouldn't be thank an Earth Squadron without William. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, you um, mentioned that you're still doing some voiceover, some voiceover stuff. Um, I'm available. I got a, I got a, like a studio set up. I can do some some voiceovers if you still need some some help with that. Oh shoot! I think I might have a few characters uh, that I could send your way then. Cool. cool. Yeah, I, about he, he actually okay. had me do voiceover. Do do one of the characters too. Uh huh. Yeah, I think they're fun. Yeah. I, I love doing it. I love that because I kind of got the acting bug a while back, but. Yeah, I got the feature radio, so. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's really fun. I actually am a character named Corey, which is he's like a, a spaceship mechanic in uh, a project put out by Brandon uh, Brandon Wright. Right. Uh, did called Dead Star. If you you haven't seen it or heard about it, definitely check it out. We have some of the video in the video section on the site. But I okay. it's fun for me to to be a character on somebody else's show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did a voice on one gun in one gun's part in one gun's uh, movie and and um and his um feature. Man, well, see, I count so, I count myself really lucky to have been give, given the opportunity to do voiceover for that, because of course, as you as you know, I have the face for voiceover work and for radio, <laughs> and, and and being. <laughs> And being able to, to contribute that way, actually, it was a lot of fun. You know, um, I, 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 the last time I did voiceover work, it was for a, uh, uh, a production trailer, which is actually on my YouTube channel. And, and you know where the guy had me do the voiceover work? I was in his hall closet with all the <laughs> coats around us to kill all yeah, the, yeah. the, the echoes and stuff. Yeah, echoes. 
Oh wow! And, and it came it came out great. I mean, I had, he said he 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 got this little stool. He said, "Come in here." I said, "What?" He said, "Come on, you have to sit in here." I said, "For what, mother? I said, well, why, why are you putting me in the closet?" And and so he said, "No, no, no. It's because of the echoes." And I did yeah. the work, and then I listened to it, and and actually you could hear it. It's uh, the Chicago Job trailer on my YouTube channel, and and it actually came out. It came out great, man. You know, it just goes to show yeah. you, you know, if you don't know someone else's industry and someone else's skill set, how much you can learn. Yep. And I've learned a yep. lot doing the movies that I've done. Um, oh, right. And, and, you know, I even had I, – I, I'll just give you some inside baseball. When I did the script for Earth Squadron, it was the first uh, 3D animation script that I ever wrote. But I figured it, it's actually different from doing live action because there there are yeah. certain things that you can do with 3D animation that you can't do with live yeah. action and vice versa. And yeah. and I, I consider myself lucky that, that Jarvis did like what I did, you know, because he yeah. could have very well said, oh, man, this is crap. So, man, <laughs> teamwork, teamwork again, thank you for the work. opportunity. Yeah, teamwork makes the dream work, man. And, and like I said, this site um, is a community and it's a testament to black people working together and getting things done. And so I want to keep that moving, keep this going, and, and like I said, diversify into other things in the future. And so I want to thank everybody in the sound of my voice for your support on Black Science Fiction Society and our related projects. Well, I uh, I want to thank everybody who supports this show, and especially those who show up every week, hang out in the chat room, you know, give their editorial views on what's going on and crack jokes and what have you because because it because it, no because really it's it's a lot different if nobody's there you know because basically you know there's a lot that you don't play off of plus when someone picks it up as a podcast there may may have been a question that someone could have asked that we forgot to do so that's this is this is pretty cool for me um cool. anyway I want to thank I want to thank you Hassan for being our, our special guest for this week, Jarvis, I want to thank, thank you, you again thank you for always me. for the – yeah, I want to thank you, Jarvis, for giving me this opportunity to do this pretty cool thing um, every Friday. And uh, I want to thank everybody who participates and checks this show out either live or as a podcast to, to keep the interest going. And so on behalf right. of everybody who does this, I, I want to wish everyone a great weekend ahead. Cool. Thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.